This is Quarantine Chronicles episode 16. I hope everybody is having a wonderful winter holiday season. I am your host, Kevin. To my virtual left, we got Jason. Hello, hello. Happy holidays. Wow. Thank you, Jason. To my and virtual right, something. we got Angel. <laughs> What's up? Happy holidays. And stuff. Awesome. And stuff. And today and stuff. we've got Ooh. an interesting episode for you folks. Not only are we doing a bit of our usual rundown of uh, like all the media news that we've consumed these last few weeks... But we're also going to be announcing the winners of our first annual and hopefully last Quarantinis. <laughs> but we will get to those a little bit later. But for right now, how are you guys doing? Pretty, Pretty good. good. Very relaxed. My, it's my the first time in a long time I've had a break. So it's nice to finally have Ooh. a little vacation. You know, That's being nice. spoiled by the, the, by the educational system definitely made me appreciate breaks more now. Oh, oh, right, because right, you, you, you have used to have winter and, and spring and summer. Yeah. And I feel like Kevin and I are saying the same thing. <laughs> Sometimes a little too much breaks because, you know, um, it is nice to be earning money at a more year-round pace. So there's also that. But, yeah. Nice, nice. Jason? My eyeballs are tired, so I started to say. Like, I don't think I've watched so many movies back-to-back as in the last, like, three days. Like, it's... <laughs> what are talking like, about? We watched The Toy Story. So many marathon like not that that's long ago. three in one day but now that's do that work. oh you're right oh maybe i have then we also thought well my eyeballs are still listen day. they're still they're still tired is what i'm saying because <laughs> it's uh like old and new like new movies and then like i rewatched like home alone one and two for first time size of kids um and my eyeballs are just tired but good in a good way it's nice to see some old like the nostalgia of old movies and the new ones and whatnot and, you well know, pencil you in an appointment with um with my sister and brother-in-law just to get them checked <laughs> movie-itis or whatever yeah but oh, no besides great. that yeah besides that it's good um yeah uh, kevin how about you we never ask you how are you doing yeah you guys never ask how i'm we're rude you always ask no i'm, I'm kidding uh <laughs> we're so uh, rude I've, I've, I've been fine i'm fine why is kevin yeah exactly <laughs> um I'm I'm finally on vacay from work. I do have one more day of work left in the year, but that's not until Tuesday. And then I'm off pretty much until the 3rd, I believe. So, nice. oh man, I was I I probably still would be at work right now if it hadn't been for Comic-Con getting canceled because a couple of my vacation days would have would have gone to that. Oh, you mean LA so, Comic-Con? No, I mean San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, oh, gotcha. I see. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I, I meant you guess had to work I was LA blessed in a way. Uh, did they give I us definitely a refund noticed... for the tickets? Is that going to happen? I feel like for Comic Con, no, they moved them to 2021. Remember, we're all. Oh, I got to mix up because Anime Expo already gave refunds for the tickets they for 2020. Didn't move them. Yeah. Well, they did move it yeah. initially, but then they said that they're actually going to go. They're moving away from Eventbrite to something else, and they'll still give those people that bought tickets priority, but. I don't hmm. think 2021 is happening. It's yeah, either way, it, or, or, yeah. or it just seems too close to cut it, which I guess would be for Comic-Con. And unfortunately, GDC. GDC. We're so close yeah. to going to GDC. I so know, close. dude. You're like, like literally, it's like the Everything before. was paid. The plane, the room, yep. everything. Yep. I was so excited. Me too. Wait, you guys Sometimes, got but... both paid expense trips to GDC? No, 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 no. We had already paid everything. I guess it wasn't all paid expense by us, but... 
Yeah, it was oh. all expenses paid by our personal bank accounts. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, we were gonna go for the first time. Angel went once before, but it's gonna be my first GDC. And then we were gonna go and like check it out and cover it for the Ram Nintendo side of things for me and for him. He's gonna go and do his thing. Um, yeah, and then like it was you know early March there were rumblings that it was gonna get canceled and companies started pulling out and like companies were advising people not to go. And then we're like, yeah, this can't be that bad, can it? And then like three days later, it's like, oh, it is that bad, and it was all canceled, and it was kind of bummer. But the upside is, um, all these conventions being canceled. To your point, Kevin, like. I have so much PTO. I never take off I any time. I have so between... much money. I don't know what to no, do No, that it. too. No. I take. I have so much PTO. Like I never take off time between Christmas and New Year's because like, I'd rather save the PTO because E3, Comic-Con, you know, it all stacks like a trip somewhere. It all – I bear – usually I have to like do an unpaid day a year just to balance, you know, because I overextend. So it's kind of nice to be like, I'm just going to have a lazy week next week. I'm only working two days instead of like the three and a half or four or whatever that the company actually requires. Um, so yeah, right. it's going to be nice. It's going to be very nice to have – it's been nice to have like staycations throughout. Like I've taken random days off for the last few months here and there. It's really nice. But you've been working mainly from home, haven't you? I have, yeah. So it's really no different. And in fact, you could argue (laughs) it's a waste of PTO because I could just like check email once an hour and then do nothing the rest of the day. No one at work, listen, please. But uh, (laughs) I think think it's one of those things that's like just knowing you don't have to check is really nice. And if I don't spend the PTO, California does have rollover PTO, but if you max out your hours, it stops accruing and only starts accruing again when you start whittling down your hours. So I actually maxed out. So I had to take some time off or else I just had like hours evaporating into thin air that I was deserved, you know, that were that's owed to no me. good. So, no, it's not. Although it's funny, little fun fact for those listening at home who may be in the state of California. Um, apparently, if you hit your max by law, if you start using your PTO, it will backfill your previously earned hours. So you can keep riding that max for a while and then just take a day. It's, I calculated it out with a coworker. It's something like you can theoretically take off um, every third Friday or second Friday of the month or something like that and um, never run out of PTO. You just have a three-day weekend like once or twice a month all year and never run out of PTO because of how – That's uh, a mix of how pretty – well, yeah, it's a mix of how California does it and the hours accrued by our company specifically because we get uh, the equivalent of 15 days. But the accrual system works in such a way by law that I think if you have the 15 days, you can do it too. So a little, little factoid for you. To but then also off. you're – and you don't have to answer this question, but you are hmm. – I'm assuming you're salaried, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so there's so also that. You, yeah, Angel, there's, right? there's a few factors here, yeah. No, I am not. Oh, you're not sorry. Okay, yeah, because the way that you're explaining that PTO stuff is like, oh man, I wish I had that because I get 15 days at the start of the year, but 10 of them are vacay days and, and five sick days, and I don't ours get to accrue anymore. Ours are technically, really, really oh, like, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, ours are technically combined, so it's 15 like out of office days, but if you have a good manager who's just like, yeah, I just you worked and doesn't mark you down when you're sick. Or you know, don't get sick. That that's my secret. I didn't. I don't think I took a single sick day in the last I don't know year. So, do you even get sick? Oh wait, you do. I do. I do. The Game Awards after party killed me last year. Like straight up for a week, I had no appetite. I got like food poisoning from it or something. So. Oh wow. So listen, yeah, Jeff I, Keighley I puts on a great show, but like whoever caters his after parties. Mm-mm. <laughs> hmm. I also no. get. I also rarely get sick, but when I do get sick, boy, do I get sick. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, I generally get a cold a year. 
is what I've noticed. Sometimes two, and if I get two, I'm really mad at myself because I allow. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll get sick once per year. But I got two once, and it's really frustrating. But th- this year's been nice because of all the precautions and washing hands and mask and whatnot. Like because of COVID, I actually haven't. Knock on wood here, I haven't been sick all year with anything. So right, yeah. Um, all right, well, cool, cool, cool. As uh, <laughs> as usual, cool. That's uh, cool. You got... don't get sick. Cool. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it is cool. I know, like, I know. You, you, you would hope that you would never get sick, especially during yeah. these times. Oh, for sure, sick for is sure. not fun, mm-hmm. especially if you get COVID sick. This is um, true. Yeah. But as usual, we, we've got uh, timestamps on the blog post and uh, the episode description on your favorite uh, podcast app of choice so you can bounce around. But uh, let's begin this episode with our L.A. COVID quarantine update. Jason, the jingle. Uh, we're all dying because of COVID. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a horrible jingle. <laughs> That's a terrible jingle. We're all dying because of COVID. <laughs> Yeah, I, I forgot the tune I used and the lyrics wow. I used last time. So you know, I it, I actually did clip it. I actually oh, did, did clip. Do you want yeah. to insert that so it doesn't sound quite as morbid, or do we just want to really? Oh, that's like that's a, that's too soak. much. That's too much editing. Actually, okay, actually, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll fix it. I think together. you should now. Now you need both so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop um, referencing it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. So, uh, not a lot of updates, or maybe I just didn't look hard enough, but I don't. Th- think that there's a lot of updates uh in the quarantine i, I got a real dark one if you want uh all right sure spring it on me in la county a person's dying every 10 minutes from covid okay hmm. i guess the jingle well, wasn't uh, too far off then no it wasn't which made it really bad because i was such a chipper uh jingle and such a sad reality right yeah and uh as far as quarantine goes i'm pretty sure that the orders the stay-at-home orders are going to be lifted, I believe, on the 28th. So, what is that? The I, I heard day after this episode it. goes live? I heard they might be extending yeah, it. Yeah, like, and I wouldn't blame them if they extended it. Because apparently everybody and their mothers have been, like, traveling. And some airports in the country apparently, like, hit record high numbered numbers of travelers. Jeez. Which is insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but aside from that, the vaccine from Pfizer has started to get out there. Thank God. Uh, I actually know, yeah, uh, I actually know a couple of people that who have gotten the vaccine already. Both of them are in the medical field, and uh, both people I went to high school with, and one of them is my best friend. So if oh. uh, anyone wants to tell me otherwise that I shouldn't take this vaccine, uh, Wait, I will probably mean? listen oh, to oh, them over here. Vaccine yet? Wait, what? Ooh. 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 Like, oh, Ooh. see the medical field. Ooh. <laughs> I said, I said, uh, I said, one, Kevin, one, one on who is my record. best is one of my best friends and save. Oh, yeah. One of them. So yeah, I'm, I got <laughs> like, save you remember that, you remember that episode of recess where, uh, what, what's the main character? What's the TJ? main character's name? Yeah. TJ, TJ. he does. He's got to do like a, a book report on who's his oh, best friend yeah. and yeah, everybody else gets mad at him. And he's like, I don't have one best friend. I got five. I got multiple best friends, man. You guys, you guys are are in there. So is, oh. so is your brother. And, uh, yeah, but uh, Look that's that pretty save. much Look it for this, uh, for this. <laughs> that's a nice wholesome way to end the the, the quarantine update. <laughs> Seriously, it started oh, so dark if, and oh. it ended so bright. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it for the COVID oh, update. Have, Unless you have something, I have at least ten friends I keep in contact with, and you said one in ten. Hopefully they're all okay. 
No, not one in ten. Every ten minutes, someone dies. Oh, not okay. one in ten people are dying. That'd be an insane number. That'd be like, <laughs> good God, that'd be like three million in LA County alone. That'd be nuts. Hmm. No, it's, it's every ten minutes. Well, we brought we brought it back down to <laughs> pretty depressing. Seriously, Angel, come on, it's the holidays, man. Uh, but I guess uh. We should just move over to the fun stuff, to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. After that, let's get out of this hole as quickly as we can. All right, all right. So <laughs> we finally saw Tenet. Yes. And sure by did. and by we, I mean Jason and I saw Tenet. Angel, yes. you just read a synopsis. Yep. As he tends um, to do. Yeah, I assume we're gonna. I I assume we're going to get into spoiler territory, especially with this movie. I- I feel like and we probably are. not even oh. just for this movie, but also for like Inception, because that's the movie that this movie has like the closest comparison to. Personally, yeah. I I would think so. I um, say, so we will I'm, have... so, I'm so proud of myself for catching most of the twists before I knew about them. Yeah, I I will say without spoiling anything before we get to those spoilers. This they were really obvious, the... or maybe we're this was less twisty than most Nolan films. I feel like it kind of like you could kind of call it a little. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if you felt that way, Kevin, but it felt like it was a little like, oh, obviously, it was like a little more cliche almost. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, um, and and we're gonna have timestamps at the bottom to to separate yeah. that to separate the our regular talk to the the spoiler talk. But like for right now, Jason, what did you just think of the movie just overall? You know, I think it needed more room to breathe, honestly. It was two and a half hours, so I know that's an insane comment to make, but I really do feel like the 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 Nolan-y, like second half where it kind of like literally folds in on itself, sort of um, in terms of the plot, like doubling back and stuff like that. The way it, it does the time inversions and everything, I thought that was really cool. It felt very like in Nolan's wheelhouse, but the speed at which the first half had to be told to get to that point felt very rushed to me. Like this really felt like. A movie that if it had just a little different pacing or maybe even – and this is crazy to say because I know how much this man loves his cinema. Uh, but if it was a mini series or something and they did over like six episodes like they did like Devs with um, the dude that did Ex Machina. Like if they did something like that, I feel like it would have been a lot stronger than it was if that makes sense, which I realize is ironic because um, Christopher Nolan was harping over and over about how you have to see this movie in theaters. It's a cinematic experience. You have to go to the cinema, the biggest screen, you know, during like the lockdowns, trying to get theaters open. Like he was so like, you can't watch this. Don't watch this on your phone. Don't watch this on your tablet. Watch this in a theater. And then like everything about it just felt like A, it would have been better if it was stretched out a little more. B, it would have been better if, um, like if, or not better, but it gets, I feel like there's more appreciation to be had if you rewatch it, which is the opposite of a cinema exactly. experience. Right. <laughs> I so, would have, uh, I would have not enjoyed this movie if I had only seen it once in the theater and then had yeah. to wait until the DVD release or the digital release to to rewatch it. And, and never mind my and never mind point. Um, yeah, yeah DVD, I know that's what, why what I corrected myself real quick. <laughs> I was like, I didn't no, I was gonna say right. point. And point C, because I was like kind of, you know, like A, B, and C was um, his, I mean, I know he likes his bombastic sound and the, like the soundtrack by Ludwig of, you know, Community and Mandalorian and Trash Gambino production fame is really great. But man, it was like hard to understand things without subtitles. So for a movie the that audio mixing ever needs is subtitles. just garbage as usual for yeah. these Nolan yeah. movies. I, yeah. So I saw this with Elvis and I remember at some part he said, wait, what? 
And I just told him, just put the subtitles on, dude. It's literally not worth the strain of, yeah. of constantly thinking like, wait, what did, what did they just say? The audio mixing is atrocious. Which and again, to, or go we've ahead, talked sorry. about this before. No, and we've talked about this before how apparently now other directors are telling him, Hey, your audio mixing is bad. Yeah. And I think now he's starting to get it, but he is. He I mean, made some comment like, Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> so, which is so yeah, funny because so. I remember when Interstellar came out, they made such a point and Dunkirk, they made such a point about how he sits in the room and listens to the audio in all these different spots. Like, uh, a friend and I saw the audio, not the dialogue. The... <laughs> he must be built differently then because. Well, I don't know, I don't know how the... he sees his movies and goes, I yeah, I understand literally everything <laughs> that's going on. Well, with, what's funny is like, friend and I, we, we saw Dunkirk and Interstellar in like theaters made for – like we saw – well, not made for, but we saw Interstellar at the Chinese Grumman Theater in – or the Grumman Chinese Theater in Hollywood. And they were telling us before it started, oh, Christopher it's Nolan came to this theater, very yeah. – oh, is it TCL? You're right. Yeah, and uh, he was like, yeah – they they told us in the like pre he was here last week he was sitting and, and they pointed to the specific seats around the theater and said these seats he listened for the sound to make sure it's optimal for this experience and to be fair Interstellar sounded great in that one theater or like Dunkirk uh, same friend and I saw it at IMAX's headquarters we got into an, a special screening I don't know how and again they were like oh he sat there and he sat there and in those experiences yes it sounded incredible but then when I like go on Twitter after it came out everywhere everyone's like i don't understand where this sort of gunshots are overpowering the dialogue i'm like what 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 is going on but now this is the first time i've experienced it firsthand with uh tenant and yeah it was bad the mixing and I, again it's just so ironic to me that this guy was drumming up go to theater go to theater and then three of the biggest things about the movie being able to hear it being able to understand it and being able to tell a story in a way that like breathes uh, and do- and doesn't feel rushed. Like all three of those require not going to the theater. So it's like a weird blessing in disguise that we got to experience it at home for the majority of people, and not see, in a theater or in a drive-through or what have you. See, like I didn't get any of that from reading the synopsis. It was just I bet you didn't. It was, I bet you didn't because it was <laughs> concise to the point. None of that fluff, and yeah, nice and simple. Well, and and that's the thing is, um, like, I really like the. I don't know, Kevin, how did you feel about the ideas of the story? Because I thought it was really cool, like the concepts involved. So I felt like the concept. Obviously, there's a there's a bit of a misconception that this is a time travel movie. It's really not. It's more of a. And I think they say it in the in the movie itself. It's more of a reverse chronology movie, or I guess the the main gimmick of the movie is is reverse chronology. It's it's a reverse entropy, and that was really cool. And it, yeah. it led to some, I people guess, in real life? cool looking stuff, mainly. <laughs> say people not, trying in real life. Uh, yeah, it, if, you, it, if you see a dude just running backwards down the street, he's tenanting, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, the stuff will look cool, like that building exploding near the end of the, uh, near the end of the movie that they mm-hmm. showed in the trailers. Like, that mm-hmm. looks cool. But it made it his least visually appealing movie. I feel like because it's more muted than like his usual movies yeah. and seeing as how the entire movie takes place, I guess in the quote unquote real world, there's nothing that makes the movie pop the same way that the dream stuff in inception pops. I, if that makes I, sense. I think I agree. And I think also, um, or even like the black hole in interstellar or some of the planets that they, that they arrive to in interstellar. You yeah. Know, I think, yeah, go, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think that um, the concept and the – the concept doesn't really work for a visual – 
like even the big set pieces like oh they they drove a plane into a hangar a real they bought it's in the trailer that plane up drives to the hangar and blows up they bought a 767 or whatever and literally drove it into a hangar that is all practical effects the whole movie is all practical effects they uh really had people drive backwards they really had stuntmen do fights in two directions and filmed it twice they really had all the dialogue that's reversed at different I parts i bet the editing actually... for this movie was a nightmare dude oh i'm sure and like dude the, like literally the dialogue they had the people learn the lines backwards and say them. it wasn't reversed audio it was them saying it backwards so like the amount of effort that went in made me once i learned all that made me appreciate it way more but visually seeing it, it like you said it did kind of just like oh that cars driving backwards okay or oh uh the like I, honestly the coolest thing it wasn't even like a big visual flare like the plane crashing into the hangar kind of was like whatever it didn't even have that much pizzazz yeah. to it i feel like but like there's a fight scene in a hallway between uh between no 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 I, I mean a little but between uh what's his name the protagonist whose name is literally protagonist uh between protagonist fights. and another guy no but watching the fight when it's first time it's like oh okay but then halfway through the movie they do the same fight from the other side so the first scene the first take on the fight is from behind the protagonist the second take is from the opposite side of that same fight and they literally mirrored the fight but did it twice and it was really cool to see like the exact like hit points happen but from the other perspective and the way they like sync that up just knowing what that required to sync up was more impressive than seeing them drive a plane into a hangar for example for me at least like just being like whoa that's actually like shot for shot like i see i remember that i remember that and now i did this and now this flip looks like this instead of like that and it's all the exact same fight but they did it twice from two sides and had it match up and i just thought that was it's so minor but that's kind of i guess to your point kevin the problem with the visual pizzazz of this movie is like that was one of the more impressive things is just knowing the coordination that took and yeah like think of the set pieces of and once again inception think of the set pieces in even like the dark knight yeah i I, like the the opening set piece of that the the bank robbery even Mm -hmm. even think about the one in dark knight rises which isn't a very good movie but at least it had that plane scene at the beginning with bane right um the set piece here like the the plane crashing i think is like the perfect is a perfect summation of this movie of like it's the simplest little thing that they try to hype up Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really work. Like, even they deflate how cool it could have been in the movie. I believe the protagonist tells uh, Robert Panson's character, like, you want to crash a plane. And then Robert Panson goes, no, 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 don't worry. It's It, it won't be flying. Like, it, it'll be grounded. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that's... Why would you even say that? Just, <laughs> like, keep that yeah. off screen. And then, like... Yeah. Um, and, it, and yeah. you know that relationship, my point about like needing, the movie needing room to breathe. So when you watch it multiple times, I would assume I've only seen it once, but I imagine you watch it multiple times. And even by the end of the movie, you kind of have a better understanding of the protagonist and Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, and their relationship Neil, with one yeah. another. But in that first half of the movie, it's just so fast. It's like, oh, protagonist is going here. Oh, now he's assigned this mission. Oh, now he has to do this. Oh, here's this guy, Neil. Oh, now they're best friends and they're laughing together. And it like it all yeah, was exactly. in the span of like that, 10 that, minutes. It was so there was that weird. point where There's that point where neil tells the protagonist uh so i take you trust me now and the protagonist is like yeah i trust you now and i was just thinking to myself why like why like how's that earned all of a yeah sudden? where was yeah. that earned and likewise exactly. there's um i forgot the name of the main woman in the movie um cat you know, yeah but her relationship with the protagonist and just how they become trusting of each other and sort of go along and want to help each other it's like where did that come from they had a literally 20 second conversation 
in a restaurant and suddenly they're like BFFs that are scheming together. Like it's so – I don't know. It's just the movie was moving too fast in that first half and I think if they stretched those out into an, a couple – like if they did a six-episode story and they had the first three episodes be before the inversion and the second three be after – I think that would have been really cool because like the idea of laying the groundwork in the first half for stuff that when you see the second half, you could go back and be rewarded by. Like that's ultimately what Mr. Robot did over four years and did it really well. And I feel like the ideas and what Chris Nolan could have done could have worked in a similar format. It's just it was so compressed and squished. And I don't know. All right. I guess let's get into the spoilers. Um, Okay. Spoiler warning for everybody for for Tenet, most likely Inception, most likely – any other Christopher Nolan movie that we might be talking about. Yep. Um, so, yeah, spoilers. Okay. I've seen the movie twice. Okay. And I've seen it once. And the reverse chronology stuff. <laughs> and I didn't see it coming either time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, so the reverse chronology stuff makes sense. But where the movie starts to fall apart for me, and the reason that I have to probably see this movie at least three more times, is... <laughs> When they start bringing in the temporal pincer movements, yeah, that's that's where it's like, okay, well, literally everything that I thought I knew is just thrown out the window because of this. Yeah, um, that's true. It can, gets really can you explain it? Because no. I'm not. Because <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I'm I'm always going to be lost, even with like the the tenant subreddit has like a really good uh, plot summary, mm-hmm. and they even have a map of the direction of time that the characters are going are going through and just to uh, clarify for those listening you're talking about the basically the climactic fight scene where they're moving forward and backwards at once right yes exactly yeah, yeah. um and that's when uh kickass's character I, I forget the the name of the actor that's where Wait, kickass where he is comes in, this? in yeah he's that's the he's the the soldier dude Did i didn't realize that's crazy Oh, hilarious. trust me, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't realize that it was him until my second viewing. Doesn't even, I didn't recognize him. That's crazy. But yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I could kind of explain the, I, I feel like I had a root, a base level understanding of it that got me through the movie and let me be like, okay, I see what happened. But I don't really like they never. The thing that throws me off about that scene, like I could, I could follow Robert Pattinson's moves, like Neil, like what he did within that fight scene and how he was going in one direction and then he went through the, uh, the turnstile which is angel for your reference where they switch directions in the chronological order of things and then when he started coming back the other way like i could pace that i could follow that like you see his jeep his humvee at one point right the uh, start the fight scene then you see it later again you're like okay this was the mirror i get that but like i don't really like that fight scene who were they fighting i mean i know who they were fighting yes they're fighting the bad guys like the main bad guys like army of like mercenary henchmen people but you never really saw them they never yeah, really showed who never, was shooting at who. They were never distinguished enough from the main army, which then it's like I can't tell which part of the good guys are the ones going forward and the ones going in reverse. And and Nolan tried. And, he did a cool little – like a clever little – oh, some will wear red and some will wear blue on their arm and that's how you tell supposedly. But like yeah. you couldn't really tell. Like it, And it felt like so like – that big climactic fight scene felt so like – It might as well just been like a little a little wristband that they were wearing because it was supposed to be a patch on their shoulder. Yeah. But like I I never saw it. The, the thing that tripped me up though was like it was this, you know, uh, 
big climatic fight scene, but like you didn't really there were no stakes because you didn't know who was doing what. All you saw, and again to your point about it, it was missing visual pop, all you saw were some people moving forward and some people moving backwards, which I know they like they had a couple landmines that like unexploded, but then they had a second layer, some other landmines that did explode. They had a building that like inverted its explosion and re exploded. It's like, oh that all looks cool. But it has no yeah. stakes of what's going on. Like I didn't feel – and I think this goes back to my point about felt rush. I never really felt any sort of like, oh, no, the protagonist might die or, oh, no, I can't believe that happened to Cat or, oh, no, poor Neil. Like I never really – only at the very end with Neil and the protagonist relationship was I kind of like, oh, all right, especially when Neil started to reveal more about himself but um, in terms of his history. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the whole thing was just missing stakes. It just felt like this kind of weird hodgepodge of activities happening. It's just like it almost felt like Michael Bay asked, which is like just throw some explosions on the screen and see what happens. Even which the is... the final, even the final confrontation between the protagonist and the main villain's goon. Yeah, like the only thing that was stopping them there was a gate. <laughs> like, like yep. even that had no stakes. Like there, there was no fight scene there. It was literally just we can't get through this through this gate that the that the goon is on the other side of that we can see that who's literally less than a foot away from the gate itself yeah, yeah. But and like, i never felt pressure from anything like even when cat was on the boat with um mm-hmm. what was it sator sator was the name yeah yeah uh, the, the main villain it was like i don't feel anything for i feel no tension i don't feel the same way i did when when Cobb and uh, uh, Elliot Page's character in Inception had to go, they they went to limbo at the end, right? They they had to yeah. go into yeah, they went all the way down. They went yeah. all the way down to save um, Scarecrow from from yeah, and, and I think face. you're starting to sound like Angel describing movies. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I was just, uh, but I do think part of it is also like because Nolan did something a little different. Normally, his climaxes in his movies are not a fight scene it's something else like they're going into the dream sequence or it's like batman and joker are kind of like at wits ends with one you know they're kind of like matching wits in some way or joker's trying sure. to like undermine batman like this was the first one where he's just like let's just have some fisticuffs with some bombs and some guns and like i don't know if that's nolan's strong suit and i think it kind of showed for better or worse but i do think like i really enjoyed when stuff was like Honestly, I was okay. So he first goes into the inversion, right? And like through the turnstile, and they basically do the same car chase from the other perspective, and then they do the same hallway fight scene. So like all those, where it's like, oh, I'm watching the same movie, but now it's the flip of it. I enjoyed more than the new set pieces they introduced at that time. Like I almost oh, feel like sure, I would prefer sure. if they mean. did the opera house prologue scene again oh, as the yeah, final yeah, scene over I, I thought, this new fight scene. Absolutely, I thought so. The, that. The I guess the gimmick of the movie had been spoiled for me uh, when the trailer had leaked, where somebody I guess either in the comment section or replied to like the tweet that had the that had the trailer said, uh, "Rumor is that the movie at the halfway point is going to uh, like be reversed." Oh yeah, I, I knew the gimmick um, coming in too. Yeah, I think I don't think they hit it particularly well. Even in the trailers, they show like. Well, I never, I never, backwards. I never saw the trailers for, oh, for the movie so you, except for okay, yeah, I saw except for that trailer. initial trailer, which doesn't really show anything. It just shows Tenet and yeah. the the ET being reversed. So that's where people got the idea that oh, this might be be like a 
sort of a palindrome. I love that word. Yeah. Uh, of a movie. And so, yeah, I was, I was thinking like, oh, we're going to go all the way back to the opera. And no, we got this weird set piece, which the opera, I, I would argue, is the best set piece in the entire movie. And that. The opera was really cool, honestly. And there's like one, one time thing there and it's neil which yeah I, at the end of the movie you realize super, that neil was the one who super saved the protagonist <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah but yeah and i was like I okay know. i'm ready to see that or or i even thought that it was going to be the protagonist saving himself but yeah then, that that was my theory what it is that was my yeah. theory but and and also like there's a not to keep harping on like the the point of inflection there where it starts going backwards but i really like you know they the reveal of who who it was in the opera house was cool, but also even stuff like oh a car flipped over during a car chase like no big deal. Oh no, it is a big deal because once time inverts, you realize who's in that car, and it like like just the double layering of the set pieces could have been really cool and was really cool when they did it until they stopped doing it, and then they kind of did like a double layer in the final scene with Neil and his Humvee, but like not really because it was so quick. So like I feel like yeah, yeah I feel like that's a little bit of a missed opportunity, but I do think the concept's really cool and like. There is a lot there if you really want to dive in. Like the guy – the bad guy's name is Seder, right? So there's this thing called the Seder Square. I found about this on the internet and courtesy of a friend of ours. Um, and it's this – it's this uh, – it's a word square that's like a five-word Latin palindrome like thing. And on it are words like Seder, the bad guy, uh, tenant. And they all mean different things. Uh, opera. So there's the opera house. It's like there, he did like his research to find like ways to connect this with like actual things from ancient history and, you know, try and tie it in. And you could tell the legwork was there. It's just like the execution ugh, took some weird swerves. It's yeah, like in concept, I like this right up there with all the other concepts no one's come up with. In execution, it probably is in the bottom half for me, I'd say. Sure. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Probably personally, probably I'd give it. I don't know a high six, maybe a low seven. Oh yeah, it's still it's still worth like if you like Nolan stuff, I'd say it's still worth watching. It's just go in not expecting Inception, <laughs> go in and go in yeah. go in expecting that you're gonna have to watch this movie a couple of times unless you're a genius that just understood literally everything. That that final battle I think is what broke me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it was it was something. Um yeah, and I, I do feel kind of like – I do wonder if this came out in theaters properly, how would the general reception have been? Because like word of mouth with Inception was so strong and helped really – like it became like a cultural thing that summer. Um, and I wonder if like Tenant – if it would have – like I don't think it would have had a moment, but I wonder if it would have had more of a negative response because people were going in expecting basically Inception 2. And, you know, how sure. quickly, like, Wildfire could spread when it wasn't that versus this kind of drip feed of people are watching it at home along with now, you know, Wonder Woman Soul just came out and people are watching Christmas movies and it's kind of, like, stifled a little. So I, I do wonder yeah. if, like, if ten, if Chris Nolan had his, like, tentpole moment, this was the movie of the year. This is the one you have to go see and people saw it and just like, what? Versus the kind of more tepid response it got. Yeah. So so maybe it was um, his saving grace in a weird way. <laughs> that kind of yeah, got maybe. buried. Yeah, but uh, I think that'll unless you have any other thoughts about the movie. I think that's about it. I do. I'm. I feel oh, like really? I'm critical because I care. <laughs> like I really want to like the concept and everything, so I feel like that's the only thing that's making me this critical of it. But I do mostly. I enjoyed it for what it was. It just wasn't what it could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess with that, you kind of hit the. Uh, not the nail on the head, but you did bring up two other movies: Saul and Wonder Woman. Uh, let's give yeah. Angel some, some, 
speaking yeah, hi, some Angel. talking time here. <laughs> Welcome Angel, back to the Soul. Jason, you also saw Soul. I did yes. not see Soul. Uh, talk to me about Soul. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Soul. Angel. Um, and I think this movie was kind of weird just because, you know, usually we watch the big, like, Pixar movies, like, in theaters or even... It's, like, more of an event. It, I don't know. It felt like something was kind of missing. But, you know, it, it, was, it was so cool. But that's... Did you watch it point. at midnight um, when it came out? No. Why would I do that? That's why. Um, yeah, I, I watched it as soon as it hit. That felt a little more momentous, so... No, I, I, I think that would have made it worse. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> for me, for me. Obviously, yeah, yeah, we all have yeah. different movie, movie watching preferences. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just... I enjoyed the movie. Um, I didn't love it like other Pixar movies, um, but I definitely liked it. I don't know exactly why it is that I feel that way, but one thing I will say that's really positive about the film is that I just really love, I do love its themes and what it touches on. I think it is like something that a lot of people do kind of need to watch, just kind of like a nice reminder about just life and everything surrounding that, which is pretty great. Um, and it does it in a nice comical way. I don't think it, they, I don't know, it's a pretty simplistic movie. The more I think about it, like, I feel like Inside Out was like a little more, for lack of a better term, convoluted. Um, I feel like that one, like raised more questions than answers. And this one, I feel keeps things simple enough that you don't really question a lot of things that is, that is going on. But, I don't know, it's very fun. And definitely, I would say it's definitely worth checking out if you like Pixar movies. I think it's definitely one of their, it's definitely in the top half. Because we, by now, we know they definitely have a, they do have some stinkers, so. I I think to your point about being simpler, the thing that I kind of took away from after watching is like, oh, it was like watching one of the, like, six sides of Inside Out. Or five sides, or how many emotions there were in Inside Out, I don't remember. But it just felt like it was, like, one slice of those. Like, it was, like, if it focused on just one of them in terms of, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? In terms of structurally, like, it just felt like that, like, piece of it. But, um, I, I mean, one time I'm kind of surprised you didn't call out yet, Angel. What did you think of the animation? Because I thought it was a gorgeous movie. Like, the different art styles all mixing and matching. They did some, like, sketch-looking stuff at one point. Like, literally, like, sketchy-looking things they had like flat characters and 3d characters they had like photorealistic new york streets like it was it was really a mishmash it's kind of cool i think after seeing inside out and just so many animated films this year i guess i just wasn't as impressed um Mm. it just felt it was definitely a nice looking movie but it almost felt very simplistic as well like most of the time you don't really you don't really have many backgrounds except for just void and blue characters in the front I mean, it works for what it's doing, and I don't know if they could have done it any other way, but I think just as far as, like, crazy animation or just, like, stuff like that, I think um, we're starting to reach that point where they're going to have to really go crazier, but... Um, That's interesting, because I, really I really did think, like, by Pixar standards, they kind of did, because, like, they, have, they literally have scenes where you're walking through it, it looks like a... Like a no, that, that, that's, or a sketch. That, that's, that's why I didn't say Pixar, like, even just, like, animated films in general. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, like, I, I think the bar has just been, like, raised higher for me in terms of, like, just um, pure visual bliss. Like, I, like, I don't know. I think the, the thing that stood the most out to me was, like, the character designs in general of the people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they were very much not like any other Pixar movie for the most part. I feel like most Pixar movies kind of shared the same kind of people template that's different from mm-hmm. Disney, with a few exceptions. But this one, I guess, just went for a way more rounded look, which doesn't look bad. It, it, it looks interesting for sure. It definitely has its own look to it. But like I said, like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I've just been watching a lot of, like, even just like, thinking about movies like Morona's Wild Adventure that one up with a dog like that one I f- feel is like way more like visually interesting than mm, Soul I would say did just you because you know get, I mean you we'll get, get into feeling... or go ahead. go ahead I mean we'll get into spoilers later probably which like probably like helps explain why I feel that way but yeah well I mean we could get into it now it's, it could be part of the conversation we could just put the spoiler warning spoiler warning if you wanted to finish your thought. Spoiler warning. Spoiler yeah. warning. Set the so, alarm or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so before I guess I even get into that, I thought it was really cool that they managed to not spoil the movie in the trailer or anything. Like, I thought it was a really... It was an interesting twist that you spend the majority of the movie just, like, on Earth. I thought it was actually going to mm-hmm. take most of the runtime in the astral plane, but it's really just... You know, a body switch movie. It's like Freaky Friday kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, but because, you know, it just spends like, I would say like, maybe not 90, maybe like 80% of its runtime just on Earth. It does just kind of, like, when I think of Soul, like, I end up remembering more of the fact that they were just a normal human world that isn't as interesting as, like, the afterworld. But, um, do you know what I found interesting about that human world, actually? Did what? you notice how this – the emphasis on the sort of neighborhood, like minority neighborhoods of New York in this thing? There were so many. Like like they, they – I don't think – and I'm not saying this in a negative way. They really played up the mixing pot culture of New York City, but I don't think there was a single white person in the movie except Tina Fey's voice. Like – and I thought that was very interesting for a Pixar movie to do. Like, you know, they had, like, uh, you know, main character, Jamie Foxx. He's in his neighborhood. He goes to the barbershop. They kind of play up that culture. His boss is um, a Hispanic woman. There's Their kids in the class are all different minorities. Like, it was really playing up that side of New York City. And I don't remember a Pixar movie doing that sort of melting pot thing before. I, they've obviously focused on different cultures. And in a way, you could argue this is the culture of New York City. And I thought that – and obviously that makes sense. But the more they showed of New York and like you know him walking past bodegas and all of a sudden in the next, it almost felt like kind of like a little slice of life of New York that was something Pixar's never really touched before, especially with that many humans at once. Like it was, it was kind of cool. Just a, just a thing I noticed. <laughs> uh, but I, Yeah, I – I don't know. I guess I didn't, or I don't know. I like, yeah, I don't know. I guess it wasn't something that stood out to me. It was just, nor it just looked, I don't know. Everything seemed normal, I guess. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, guess, I don't know. There really isn't much for me to else to say about the movie, I guess. Um, I think you know one thing I thought was kind of interesting about it is I feel like this movie more than most Pixar movies really straddled the line between being a kids movie and not a kids movie like there's a lot of pixar movies that get into deeper themes but i mean this one's literally about like kind of was the meaning of life and everything and you know right off the bat death and when i was watching with uh rachel she pointed out this is the first movie that i think pixar's actually like depicted 
death, like straight up death. And um, like, you know, like what happens when you die type of thing. And Coco they had a lot that. of – well, I pointed that out to her too. And she's like, well, no, it isn't. It isn't. It's about how the society uh, – what the society believes at the afterlife is. This was literally about like here's death, just straight up death. And like your life feeling like maybe it wasn't worth it. But um, the thing I was going to say that was kind of interesting is a lot of the references, a lot of the jokes, a lot of the stuff was all like – like kids aren't going to get – they made a lot of historical references kids aren't going to get. They made a, a – Kill, they made a really good Knicks joke, like New York Knicks joke. And I feel like a lot of that stuff is going right over kids' heads along with the, like the jazz side of it. Like kids aren't – like it's jazzy and the, mu- oh, the music that kids are going to gravitate to. And there's a And there's a lot of stuff that like – it felt like this was a movie that they wanted to make for adults. And then they threw in the body switch and stuff just to kind of make it also be kid-friendly and appeal to kids. And they kind of – I think they walked that line pretty well, honestly. What were you going to say though? No, no, yeah. I mean, I like I said at the top, like I think this is a it, it's a great movie for people to watch in general. Like I think it's like I said, I, I really like the message. I think it definitely speaks to people mm-hmm. that are kind of having like existential crisis, if anything. Um, Especially now, honestly, like this year. Yeah, it, it, I think it felt it very came out like a good, good time. Like, the, the only yeah. the only thing that I remembered is that um, I don't know if I really liked the whole um. It seemed too convenient, the whole, like, how the astral plane works. Like, you know, oh, you're in the zone. You're, like, I guess, like, in that space between the afterlife and real life. Essentially, you get back there, and he pretty much, from, I, I guess, playing think, the piano, he was able I, to. I don't, I don't think they're saying the zone is halfway to death. <laughs> I think they're saying the zone is something that, like, kind of is your spirit's calling or quells your spirit or like puts you at peace so either you're in the zone and you're really about something but that's just as easy as they point out in the movie to slip past being in the zone and become obsessed to a point that hurts you and finding no, 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 that no, no, right, no. like net no, positive no, no. for your soul is like i don't think they're saying it's like an, a halfway point to death no no that, that, that like part's a middle, fine like, what, what they're trying to do with that no i'm just saying like how that is just kind of like a backdoor into how they literally use that as i guess the way for the main character to go from I guess to find 22, like he just starts playing the piano and then he just, I guess, goes into the zone and then leaves the zone and then he's pretty much right back where he was, where I guess mm. he skipped to when he died. It I just see seems like, it seems like, uh, I, I guess that like definitely made it like seem like, uh, like it have too many doors open for, I don't know, it's, it seemed like something we were supposed to think about, I guess. Right. I, I uh, will say, I know, sorry, I touched on it. It's too I convenient. Really it, like... it, it was really convenient, I guess. And it, it almost it makes was. it seem I... like a really powerful power i guess that no one i'm surprised like more people hadn't figured out i guess right right but i i do i know i already kind of touched up i do think the movie's message about like being into something and it growing into an obsession that like holds you back was kind of a really like the idea of like you know you could be into something but like just enjoy life too like don't get too obsessed or else it actually can hurt you is like it is kind of true i guess a lot of things yeah like tetris sure like tetris but um (laughs) that's what they referenced in the movie Oh, that's right. They did. That's right. Along with a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just like when they said that, I'm like, huh, that's really clever. That That's a really good, yeah. So, literally I don't Jason. Know, it, it wasn't my, what? If it's literally nope. Jason. No, it's not. I'm obsessive to the point of it being detrimental. But uh, I will say, I don't think it's my all time favorite Pixar movie. Wally, still number one for me. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's upper half, like you were saying. I think I think it it kind of feels like Pixar found their groove after you know some bumps in the road with some other stuff. So it uh, it it 
it the one thing that was interesting is it didn't um have like they tried to go for the emotional notes and i don't think they quite hit them in the same way that yeah, other i don't think had. any of the emotional notes hit yeah and i don't know and i would say like i'm a pretty it's pretty easy for me to get lost in the movie and like get like teary-eyed with like any kind of like heart pull like pulling heartstrings moment whether i don't know but none of that really happened for me in this movie which yeah. I guess I, was, that, I think that's what probably like left me the most disappointed. Is just that I was like really hoping to just get those same get feelings that I got like from like you know <laughs> Toy Story three, Coco, or right, probably some other Pixar movie that I can't think of at the top of my head. Even Inside Out, like Inside Out was more uh, emotional than this, I'd say. Yeah, like um, when Riley's like spilling her guts out to her parents at the end after returning from the bus from running away. Like I don't know, I thought that was like, done like really really well, but this one, I don't know, maybe it needed more time to develop the character in the beginning it did kind of feel like they just rushed into him dying that but, seems to be a theme in the in the movies we've been watching yeah um just going but it also fast. felt like uh, yeah i don't know it, it definitely felt yeah like yeah like i said like it's missing something I, I think i think in a way it's partly because of what the theme is which is you know kind of figuring out what you need to find in life and everything and i think if you're in a comfortable place as is it's not gonna hit as hard as someone who maybe isn't and the message kind of gets through to them more like i think it's more of a, a fine-tuned message with a little more emotional push to the people that it actually is pointed at more than just in general i mean i felt like I, I was able to relate to the message and just like i mean i felt like anyone can like in their own way mm-hmm. like you know like not not being so fixated on the fact that like oh not everyone like you don't have to be you don't have to have a thing you don't have to be a, right like you know an animator blah 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 just like you know, just enjoy life. Just take yeah. it in as it goes. Like I love the just kind of that story that the barbershop owner did. How he wants to be a veterinarian, and he just kind of ended mm-hmm. up where he is, but he's still really happy. It's like, oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a very good like Christmas time type of movie. Like in terms of like the message and everything, it is yeah. feel good, but it's very feel. Yeah, good. I, I guess it didn't have an emotional like punch to the gut. But no, not I guess, I guess unless, it, I guess unless you're in like it. a situation like the main character where you are trying to achieve a goal and you are just about there, then maybe it has the punch. But for a more general, you know, that's what I'm getting at. Like for the more general audience, I don't think it has the same punch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it was enjoyable, and I, I think oh, yeah. it's, it's worth I, a watch. I would yeah, upper half yeah. of Pixar. I, I definitely sure. still recommend it. Yeah, and also mm-hmm. like the the soundtrack. Here's something crazy. You know who did the soundtrack? Not the jazz stuff. Well, maybe some of the jazz stuff. Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. Huh. Yeah. Trent Reznor is a hell of a composer. He is, yeah. And I really enjoyed the soundtrack, and they do this cool thing. Like, they obviously have the jazz, but there's some bits where they introduce some synth with it, like in the Astral Plane stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. Like, I really like the soundtrack. And I'm not a big jazz person, but I just thought the way they kind of combined the jazz with, like, the other stuff was, was cool. But, cool, yeah. Speaking yeah. of movies with a message or an attempt at message, <laughs> do we, Kevin? Do we want to talk about Wonder Woman? Because they really uh, tried to message there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we saw Angel. You didn't, right? No. Okay. Um, Ken, what what did you think of it? I don't even know if I saw the first one. I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, uh, I did. I saw it in 4D. Huh. Almost forgot. I saw it in 4D. So what, I'm sorry. What <laughs> I think about the movie? Yeah, what do you think of A4? So, like, if you've been on Twitter today, 
there's a lot of hate <laughs> being directed toward this movie. There is. Some people calling it the worst superhero movie of all time, which I don't agree with. Suicide Squad easily carries that title. And uh um ex- no, Fantastic Four's reboot carries that title. Have you seen that? Yeah, they were playing this movie. Yeah, Fantastic Fantastic Four. Four. I have I have seen that movie. Oh, which movie's yeah. worse? Uh kind Fantastic Four. Here. About Wonder Woman? Yeah, like even if I wasn't really planning well, on watching it, like it was just like built up so much and it seemed like I, people were really like ex- excited and okay. Mainly, so I mainly the poster, or maybe people were. I'm just like confusing it with their love for the posters and not actually. I don't <laughs> for the film. I don't think it's the worst movie of all time, but I do think it is a bad movie. I um, think it didn't yeah, do itself ahead. any favors. So I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna say I don't think it did itself any favors by how it was marketed in one direction, which was look at one, look at this movie, and then what it ended up being was a throwback '80s campy fest. Like it was, it's not actually just tweeted this. Um, it's not a move. It's not a movie set in the a modern movie set in the '80s. It is an '80s movie that somehow got released in modern times. Like it, everything about it just like was like a throwback to like you know early Superman movies in the camp of like the Wonder Woman TV show. And I think if you go in with the marketing, which was, oh, yeah, this is like, remember Justice League? Remember Wonder Woman 1? Remember all that? This is that. You're going to be like, what the, what is this? Like, it's such a curveball. Which, it's you know, already starts it on a, yeah. And then that starts you on the wrong foot as you then start getting to stuff I think you're about to talk about. Yeah. Um. Man, I, I literally saw this movie pan about a little over two hours ago. Just because <laughs> I, was, I was intrigued by all the discourse that was happening. I was like, there's... There's no way that the movie can be this bad, especially because it's me. It's the same team that did Wonder Woman. Um, I haven't seen the first Wonder Woman, but I, I hear that that movie's a great movie and was the first good movie in the DCEU. And so I thought, oh, okay, a second Wonder Woman movie is probably going to be good. And mm-hmm. then this <laughs> happened. Pedro Pascal's character is so weird. He's the, the 180 of, Pedro Pascal of, his, of Mandalorian, and he plays literally the polar opposite of Mando. Like, if you thought Mando was very stoic and, like, emotionless, this dude is, like... I mean, I kind of like him playing, like, an 80s, like, TV you know, infomercial, like, coked he, out, he, he, like... Yeah, he, he was definitely <laughs> hammed, like, hammed out, like... Yeah. Um, like, it kind of worked, and it, it was kind of fun just to see him play such a different role, because, you know, he did, like... Game of Thrones and Narco, and you'd always think he was very serious, and I like, like Gravitas, and then he was just this, like, total, like, freewheel and, like, overly charismatic, overly, overly, like, hammed up charisma sort of guy in it. That, for me, was, even though the character is a little, like, too fake, it was just kind of fun to see him do that role, because it's such a, like, in, like, a flip of what he normally does. Kristen Wiig's character, she was also a bit of a mess, especially her, it's not a spoiler, but she's Cheetah, and her turn into Cheetah is, oh god, we'll, we'll get into that in spoilers. The whole Diana and Steve thing, that also gets very, very murky um, on a couple of levels, not even just on the level of this movie. I What I'm not seeing a lot of conversation online is about how I think this movie looks bad. The CGI, really? I think, is oh, terrible. Yeah, it it's atrocious. Um, there, which there is were times... sad because I've seen I have seen some of the clips of Wonder Woman, and the first Wonder Woman takes place during World War One, 
but that movie looks great. Uh, the, the, the tail end, scene. the tail end of the first Wonder Woman becomes a really big CGI fest when she's fighting the big bad, and the big bad doesn't look that great. But this one, okay. yes, there are some scenes where she's jumping really high and that sort of thing. She's you know up in the air, and you're definitely like, hmm, that looks fake. And there's other scenes where like she's standing on like a cliffside, like the the intro is her as a kid, which. It's. I like that they did the mirroring from the first movie where they showed her as a kid and kind of those flashbacks. It didn't really have a purpose in this one. There's like a little lesson she learns that ends up helping with the rest of the movie. But like it was barely necessary and that one just felt so – like so many fake backdrops. And I honestly thought it was because I was watching it on a 4K TV. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just not – like maybe this is just too much, too high res. I don't know. Like I'm not used to 4K content yet. I've only watched like – four things in 4k so i figured maybe that's it but if you're saying that's true do you have a 4k screen what were you watching on yeah i do i do have 4k okay so maybe maybe it's a 4k thing i don't know maybe but my 4k tv is like nowhere as good as yours um and it still looked bad on this one Hmm, then i don't know yeah it's it it did look it either looked kind of like really overly green screeny or when they were doing scenes in obviously like real life, like actual sets, the sets just felt kind of small. Like it felt very um, compact and like they didn't really have a lot of budget to like go wide or big with stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the spoiler stuff because we – I feel like we yeah. should. Yes. Um, okay. So the whole movie – the whole movie's conflict is based around the stone – that grants people wishes and then everybody Wonder Woman uses a witch to bring back Steve Trevor Chris yep. Pine's back in this movie but it's not Chris Pine it's Some his dude. soul I guess inheriting the body of some random dude yep and oh, so she did which a, you're just uh, supposed to roll with I'm sorry Angel so she did a no-no she accidentally killed someone else well I and guess. No, she didn't kill someone. Um, by the, he, it, the guy gets the body back ultimately, since we're in spoiler territory. Um, yeah, but she did make a wish, and it had consequences. Um, I actually, I don't know, Kevin, how did you feel about? I actually kind of thought paralleling her wants with getting Steve back, and and then Barbara, who was Kristen Wiig's character uh, that became Cheetah, and her wants, and kind of like the. You know, the parallel of they both are trying to get what they want, but also, like, have to accept that they lose something, and then, you know, one goes with it and one doesn't. I thought that actually was handled okay, honestly. I thought it was incredibly half-assed, the fact that Wonder Woman would be so stuck for decades over this one man. Mm. And it feels like they literally only had her stuck stuck with this idea of, of Steve, mm-hmm. just so that they could make this movie, where... She's like, oh, she's ready to give him up. Which, yeah. didn't she technically give him up at the end of the first Wonder Woman? Yeah. Because she didn't so. stop him. I don't quite remember. She didn't stop him from, yeah. from, from, t- from doing the suicide plane thing. But they they also didn't necessarily say she was like, oh, cool, time to move on. So like they kind of left it open enough that they could. But it is weird that we're talking six decades later. <laughs> she's still Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and it introduces a lot of things that I feel... Well, I guess since they're just rebooting the whole DCEU or whatever, I guess it doesn't really matter how. I believe at, at Batman vs Superman, she says like, "Oh, I was done with humanity a while ago." Yeah. And in that movie, it was referring to the first Wonder Woman, so it's almost like then this movie doesn't really matter. 
Well, then, then you get into a, you like, get a real interesting know, pocket here of thought because one of the things that the movie does not address, which to me is a huge plot hole, is what was she doing from the end of World War One till now? Like she just blew off World War Two, blew off Vietnam, blew off the Korean War, but then suddenly this guy gets a magic stone and that can grant riches, and she's like, oh – guess it's my turn to save the world like what was she doing for the last crises like it seems very convenient that they're just like oh well now she's now she needs to do something and now she needs to accept her fate and give up things but you know world war ii it was cool she could just lay low like i don't know it just struck, yeah, that struck me as really weird yeah and i guess that's sort of the consequence that you will have when you try to make an intercool in between mm-hmm. yeah it's i thought it was I just thought it was bad. There was there was what three set pieces, and none of them were that great. The I, the the mall opening I thought yeah. was even like like the the bad guys in that mall opening where that guy grabs that little girl and dangles her over the ledge of like a three story mall. Yeah, like what what why would and he kept saying I'm not going back and I'm just thinking to myself. And this is going to make it so that you're not going to go back to jail? Like, To be fair, a lot of people in hostage situations aren't thinking straight when they take the hostage. You know, think of all the people that barricade themselves in a house with someone. Like, oh, you're okay, never going to sure. get me. But I get okay, your point. Sure. And I, I do think the thing that threw me in a loop with the mall scene, and that's when I realized, oh, this is an 80s movie that just came out in the year 2020, was how, like, it felt like she was doing, like, just because I watched it, Right before, it felt like she was doing Home Alone heists. Like the way they had the the bad guys when she was like grabbing him, like flying near and go like ah, and then like fall and she like catch one upside down right before they hit the ground. And I was like, I feel like I'm watching Home Alone right now, which I know is an early nineties movie, but like it had such like a sort of like wacky like sensibility to it, which I guess was probably supposed to be an homage to the original Wonder Woman show, which did have that campiness. And then without spoiling anything too much, they sort of bookend the the references way at the very end of the movie but um yeah i just was like what is going on this is so like so over the top campy there's and that was like one of the big set pieces yeah exactly there there was that one there's the there's the egypt road scene yeah which was i i feel is like the second one and then the the finale pretty much oh i guess the white house the white house was was also another set piece sure but that that set piece almost goes nowhere it's her fighting at most five people originally and then facing off against Kristen Wiig's character? Yes. Uh, but remember, she's losing her powers at that time. So the stakes sure. in the movie's mind are now raised, even though it's only a total of six people on screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's some weird tonal inconsistencies. And the one that got me the most was once Kristen Wiig is starting to get more powerful – uh, like you know, physically, um, she overpowers this one drunk man on the street who, like, sexually assaulted her earlier in the yeah. movie. Yeah, and she beats his ass. Which, of course, yeah, sick. She this 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 jackass is getting his ass kicked for sexually assaulting a woman. But they play villainous music over it, and I was just thought to myself. Why would you do this where you're making it seem like she's the bad woman for beating up a sexual predator? Why yeah. wouldn't you do it so that she's like maybe she's harming an innocent person? But it's literally or like she a gets bad carried guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or like she gets carried away hurrying the bad guy and starts like doing hurrying innocent people too at the same time and then you kick in the music. Like she yeah, starts sure. going on a rampage or something or yeah, like mm-hmm. it seemed like I agree, that was a little strange. Um But I And it's almost implied like she doesn't care when like the the homeless man that, that she's like nice to earlier in the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is like, Hey, what are you doing? And well, she, she blows him off and it was just huh, that's why would she just blow him off when she it's almost like they're friends, honestly. The, well, don't that they... one to me, that actually made sense to me because they were showing like she, so like uh, sure she's losing her humanity. Sure, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because the the angel for your reference um, is the the whole wish bit is it's a monkey's paw, so you can get what you want, but you lose something at the same time. So she gets to be Barbara, Kristen Wiig's character is like this super nerdy, shy, introverted person, and she gets to get confidence and basically become her own like Wonder Woman type person, but. She loses her humanity and it makes her kind of evil. That's her monkey's and a paw. Cheetah? So I think, what? And then she becomes a cheetah. That's that was also kind of. They, they're like, we're gonna make you an apex predator. Like they say that line. I'm like, I don't think a cheetah is an apex predator by definition. Is that like aren't lions the apex predator? Aren't cheetahs like a notch even, below? And even if cheetahs are, <laughs> why would it just choose cheetah over any other apex oh, predator? Because she was wearing a cheetah print coat and she liked Diana's cheetah print shoes. Duh. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they beat you yeah. over the head with the cheetah stuff. Yeah. 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 But um uh, that's I actually kinda, kinda I'm gonna be honest. Whole, um, arbitrary hmm. I don't know well, I don't know if either of you guys saw and you probably didn't end for that um I think you saved yourself the the second Ninja Turtles movie from the the Bay produced one. Not directly. I haven't even seen the first. Uh, the second one is better, I would say, but I guess when they transform um these two into into Bebop and Rocksteady, it, it's a fun movie, but um it's I feel like most people wouldn't like it. Um, but yeah, this is a really stupid part where they they're turning these two people into Bebop and Rocksteady. You know the Rhino and the Warthog that are classic villains from Ninja Turtles. And they're mutating them with the mutagen, and well, they turn into you know a rhino and a warthog, and they ask like, "Oh, why is that happening? Like, why are those animals randomly animals randomly?" And apparently, every person in their DNA has an animal that they're tied to, and that's just yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That seems even less of a like <laughs> at least like this one that she's like, "Oh, she likes cheetah print." Okay, like yeah. that seems even less. <laughs> it's like we plucked it really. I just found it like really like. <laughs> weird to be like wait we all have like a predetermined yeah, yeah. piece of animal dna like why not i mean in the show they just Your literally have like angel, a rhino angel. right there They're yes like, oh, we do <laughs> spirit animals everyone has a spirit animal right so you know oh my spirit animal is blank so yeah you do it's not in, it's oh, not yeah. in my genome though <laughs> hey listen a spirit can yeah yeah it doesn't make sense you're right <laughs> but, but yeah I, I honestly feel like Kristen. wait like it's funny because i feel like the people that embraced the like ham fisted so the, the like, cheetah effects at least Wonder... look good or was it just like it was take it off the screen it was okay Lara, it's it's on screen for what, five minutes which is so weird because she's the she is Wonder Woman's nemesis in the comic yes yeah she is Wonder yeah. Woman's like, nemesis in the comics of course and she's on screen for like five minutes and then basically that's it I, I I'm there but there's a door open for her to come back kinda but like that's it like it felt very like. She's her, like, you know, big bad in her comic series, and they kind of just, like, sort of just brushed it off. It was really strange. I will say, uh, concept-wise, I thought the fight between Wonder Woman and Cheetah was cool in concept. Like, the idea of they're, like, at this like, base <laughs> station, they're, like, swinging around on these, like, electrical wires, and, like, it felt better Which than just having bad. a... 
it looked really bad. That's why I said concept. But um, yeah, I thought the like the idea and not having a huge big CG monster, but just this kind of more agile like thing where it's just one-on-one small scale, I kind of appreciate it because that's the big complaint about the first Wonder Woman and they sort of addressed it head on. But yeah, um, it didn't look great. I found it very weird that, that she has this golden suit of armor. But it... Oh, yeah. it's The fight is during the middle of the night. You can't see it. It just it looks silver the entire time. There, not only that. Not only that. It's a big fancy gold suit of armor from her ancient... Yeah, as for the poster, but from her ancient Amazonian culture, and she never breaks it out because it's like this rare thing and it's very important. And then Chia just like casually breaks the wings off of it, like no oh, big yeah. deal. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, just like oh well, okay, there goes that ancient. Uh, nope, there goes a feather. All right, but um, yeah, I, I will say I think the people that leaned in on the cheesiness, so Pedro Pascal, uh, somewhat Kristen Wiig, like I think she saw through what this was and kind of leaned in on it. I think they rode the wave better than like some like the rest of the movie like they kind of went with the flow of it and it kind of worked for their characters i feel like wonder woman was pretty flat herself no offense gal gadot uh like the steve bits like chris pine you know discovering the a's was kind of fun but it was really like felt kind of left field because they didn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie you know but um sure yeah i kind of felt like slapped in but uh i don't know like i I think once I got over, okay, this is the campy, cheesy thing it is, I was a little more okay with it, but it definitely did have some weird ups and downs for sure. Like, I don't hate I it as much as a lot of the internet hates it. Sure. But I don't I, I, I personally don't think that just because you're campy, it necessarily saves the movie right. from being bad. Right. It's not like it was trying to be bad on purpose. Right, so and that's, and that's that, the thing. It's and like, for that reason, I can't recommend this movie. Yeah, I, I am – I'm just kind of like, listen, it's on HBO Max. It's free. If you have HBO Max, if you want something to watch for a couple hours and just have some popcorn with, there's better things, but there's also maybe worse things. There, <laughs> like, there's better the things on the HBO Max. There's there's Probably. the first Wonder Woman, which I hear is a great movie. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's and true. Then that's it, true. And then it's like, oh, man, imagine that the – maybe – no, maybe wouldn't have gotten as much outrage because – you would have had to go and see this in theaters instead of it being for free on HBO Max. Or maybe it would have gotten more hate. I have no idea. But, hmm. yeah, it's... I I do really wonder what the life, like the shelf life of these things are going to be. Because, like, Soul and Wonder Woman dominated social media. Wonder Woman more so because of the, the whiplash people had expecting one thing and getting this um like it was all over social media everyone was watching it. everyone's at home they have nothing to do it felt like kind of like almost everyone tunes into the same tv episode for that water cooler talk the next day it felt like the digital version of that and i do wonder if like in a week is anyone gonna care about this? is soul gonna be talked about is wonder woman gonna be talked about like is this just a flash in the pan while normally this would be riding out for like the next month it's, it's gonna be interesting to see because we haven't had movies of this scale launch digitally in such an accessible way when so many people are free to watch and i'm kind of curious what the like tale of that's gonna look like well i mean i think we got our first taste of it when mulan came out but even that one was a premium price these are both if you have the service you have the movie the next one is the the dragon one huh that comes with that yeah in, in, in march yep yep um reina and the dragon or whatever it's called um but yeah, this this one's interesting because like Netflix, there are so many movies on Netflix and no one ever talks about them and they just kind of come and go. And there's you know every so often a miniseries or a show like 
Queen's Gambit or something will blow up. But like, did you know George Clooney's in a sci-fi movie called The Midnight Sky that came out last week? I had no idea. It's like a sci-fi survival movie. Oh, it's on Netflix. There's one some medieval like royalty, uh, not medieval, but like royalty thing that came out on Netflix the same day as these. Didn't get the same buzz. Like all these things come and go, and people watch them. But like, is there any conversation around them? Like, so the ones that do have conversation, how quickly do they fizzle out? Is gonna be. What was the first big Netflix movie? Netflix movie. Um, yeah. Or with be my maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know actually. Um, I remember one they really pushed hard last Christmas was Six Underground or whatever it's called, the Michael Bay movie with Ryan Reynolds. Never Wasn't it that one about, about the the Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on their name. Scarlet Witch marrying um the the, the emo Darth dude. Marriage story. That wasn't okay, first of all, it was uh Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson marrying uh yeah, marrying uh Kylo Ren, aka M Driver. Marriage Story was a little ways in there already. And see, like, sometimes Netflix will have one, too, because Marriage Story had some buzz and some attention, and um, uh, Scorsese's movie, the three-and-a-half-hour one, that I'm blanking on the name of, had some attention. But it's like those are almost, I feel like, more like slow burns opposed to this thing where everyone just watched it once. Because usually, you know, like, movie theater capacity caps how many people see it at once, and then you kind of get, like, the ripple of word of mouth or lack thereof if it's a bad movie. Um, there's none of that. Everyone just tuned in. So I'm, I'm really curious what that's going to mean in like two weeks. Like is anyone going to be talking about 84 in two weeks? Like is it, is it basically dead on arrival because of the negative response on day one from so many people? Like it'll, it'll be – No, I, I think I think 84 has unfortunately earned the bad rap of being a bad DCEU movie. So this movie's going to be talked about forever. I don't know <laughs> true, if Soul will. True. Yeah, true. Soul may just fizzle out. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's Wonder Woman's – I, I enjoyed having all these – I mean I feel like all three movies we talked about, we were like, they're good – you know, or they have these problems and we didn't really focus on the good. Wonder Woman had less of that than the other two. But I, it it is nice to have big releases again. Like if you step away from the nitpicks of Tenet or of Soul or even Wonder Woman and its badness, like it is nice that we are able to have this sort of discourse about major releases for the first time in I don't know how long, like a year, nine months, ten months. So on that level, I appreciate having all these – and I do appreciate having them all back to back like this. And it felt like it felt like a momentous week. Like it's been a while. Like especially with Mandalorian and its big finale that just happened last week. Like this last week of like pop culture has been fun, even if the movies themselves have been top tier. Like it's been nice to just have that again. It feels a little more normal. Right. Yeah. I'll get off um, my soapbox now. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. And uh, I don't know if either of you two have anything else that you want to talk about before we get into uh our little thing right here the quarantinis the quarantinis uh, i guess i'll just say a christmas movie is better than i thought it was and that's it christmas movie <laughs> which one's which one's a christmas movie <laughs> so, sorry a christmas story a christmas story i mean there's a lot of christmas movies <laughs> yeah a christmas story yeah which one is I, a christmas story it's the one with the little kid that wants the the bb gun that's pretty much. The oh, gotcha, the movie. gotcha. Yeah, I always avoided okay. it because I just thought it looked boring as a kid. I was, you know, it was during my. If it's not animated, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And definitely glad I waited because I definitely would not have appreciated it. It's I don't know. It, it it was funny. A lot of credit goes to the the child actors. I've been consistently impressed by these kid actors in these older films. I mean, when they scream and are pretending to get hurt, they really go all out. 
definitely sells it. Arrow just makes it really hilarious, but either way. Poll quote for the episode. Angel finds kids screaming in pain hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I'm going to put that in the back of my pocket when I need to smear you in some way in the future. Um, All right. Well, I I know they're not in any real danger. Doesn't matter. I already got the quote. Yeah, we we already got the quote. So, out of context, these are not going to look good for you. Mm -mm. Uh, It's okay. I'm patient. We have the episode number. It may take a while, but I can clear my name eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And uh, with that, the uh, time has come for the quarantinis. So I. I was hung over all day yesterday, so I don't feel like drinking anything while we do this. I Even have though, uh, water and some yeah, I've got uh, water. strawberry fruit plus cool icebreaker duos. Actually, here. you know what? I've got a monster in the fridge. I'll be right back. Hold on. Give me a second. I did. Right, well, he does that. I did have tequila and whiskey yesterday. That was fun. Mm. I uh, actually didn't have anything to drink on Christmas, interestingly. Now All right, I'm about. back. I did order Chinese food for the first time. I did the whole, being the good Jew I am, I did the whole Chinese food uh, Christmas dinner thing for the first time in my life. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, Chinese food's always good. Where'd you order it from? Uh, we got from a, well, do, it was, okay, so LA. Oh boy. All loves doing this, especially when you live in West LA and there's a Here lot of. Uh, Jewish folk. It took us like we had four places cancel our Postmates order because they had too much demand. So we ended up getting it for a place called Tasty Noodle House on Sawtell for those who live in LA. It was pretty good. Pretty good. The was Northern Cafe one of the places that you guys tried getting food from? It was not, no. Where is okay. Northern Cafe? I, North, there's a there's a couple of spots. Northern Cafe has what I hear some of the best Chinese food in LA. Interesting. I'll uh, I, be, I believe there's four of them. I, I believe there there's one on Figueroa, right by. I don't know if you guys know that Five Guys on Figueroa near the near the convention center. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little, a yeah, couple so blocks up, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's one there. I, I know there's one all the way down in. Um, what's that? What's that huge mall that has the theater now? If we're going Cerritos, yeah, there's one Cerritos, and I believe there's one in south, like south of Hollywood. That would probably be the one that I would have gotten from. Yeah, Uh, I I hope the four people that know LA's geography appreciate this conversation. They're listening. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I don't. (laughs) So. This isn't going to be a usual end of the year highlights where we give you, listener, our picks for the best media of 2020. Instead, we are going to give you our picks of the best new experiences that we had in 2020. Uh, so, like, be it music, movies, TV, whatever. If it was new to our eyeballs or ears, then that is what we are going to be talking about. So... I know usually we talk about new stuff like we did today, literally all movies that came out this year, but this week, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this week specifically, but um, yeah, we're going to be talking about stuff that not necessarily came out this year, but well, if it was new, like I said, if it was new and we saw it, like for all I know, a Christmas, what, what was it? A Christmas Carol, Christmas story. Uh huh. Might might be Angel's favorite thing that he saw this year. Was it your favorite movie that you saw this year? Yeah, I don't know. 
Nothing bad. Well, I guess with nothing that, bad. I started off. Uh, yeah, nothing bad again. So, Christmas story. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> Angel, what was your, what is your quarantine movie of the year? Or quarantine, yeah, how's that work? Qu- movie of the court. What's the phrase? No, quarantine, no, quarantine, quarantine movie of the year. I, I, I feel it's appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm holding the quarantine right now. And the one, the movie that I'm going to give it to is the prestige, or as I referred to it earlier <laughs> to Kevin, cause I couldn't remember the title, bat magic. Um, and somehow Kevin knew exactly what that meant, which is amazing. You said bat magic. Yeah. And like, oh yeah. The prestige. <laughs> It's like, what? It's, it's crazy because, you know, like, Bruce is in this movie and Alfred is in this movie too, but Alfred is Wolverine's Well, Alfred, it, 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 is, it, is a, it is a Christopher Nolan movie, and that's, what, our fifth mo- our fifth Christopher <laughs> Nolan movie that we talked about this <laughs> this episode? I think we're going for a record. Uh, congratulations to Christopher Nolan for winning the quarantine yep. for word of the episode or name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the quarantine? Direct, you director. holding it. Director of the episode. Yeah. Oh, he directed this. There's gonna be a twist coming up. What, uh, Angel? What is the quarantine? You said you're holding it. What is it physically? Um, Describe it. It's a pen. <laughs> what, is it like a what, what the quarantine? Pen, a nice I, I guess. I mean, I if I were to pick a golden, quarantine, I literally be a golden quarantine. Not, not quarantine. Like a, a golden, golden face mask or a golden face. Oh, mask? a, a golden martini. A golden martini, a golden martini would be the quarantine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. What, what, what I had actually imagined in my head was just like think like the oscar trophy you know like the little gold dude yeah. but he's sitting on a couch and there's like a tv in front of him mm. that's, that's actually not bad mm. that's not bad that's not and bad he, does he have like a little is there like a little pizza box open next to him also sculpted in gold on a little side oh, table oh actually yeah there should be like a little table with like a bunch of junk food there maybe he's like yeah. kind of leaning back with like a leg on the couch and one on the, the- floor with a blanket <laughs> the key part is there's an upside down slice of pizza on the which floor which is literally how like he's I so lazy he's too he won't pick it up he's just letting the cheese melt into the carpet and it's all captured in the statue uh, that's I mean, disgusting that is, <laughs> <laughs> but that is, that's a lot of people's quarantine i'm sure <laughs> yeah i mean that is actually kind of how i experienced a lot of the movies not with the mess just like you know in a blanket <laughs> all cozy on the couch mm-hmm. and just watching stuff until i knock out but yeah prestige um definitely coming by surprise i didn't know it was directed by christopher nolan when we watched it but I don't know. It's cool. I, I love um, movies about... I love. I always love it when movies are about like two people trying to like outwit each other and how it just keeps escalating and escalating until it literally goes off the rails and it just turns the, into the, a fiction. Yeah, it was like almost like, oh, this could of, happen. Yeah, the, the whole premise of dueling magicians is like the coolest idea. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. I want to watch David that. Bowie in there and I love David Bowie. Oh, out. right. That was oh, when yeah. he was Nick like Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I definitely need to rewatch that. Movie. I haven't seen it since college. You haven't seen it since college? Oh, wow. Mm-mm. Yeah. That was... I know that's forever ago for I mean, I'm not that old, old, but yeah, it was like... It was... <laughs> Next I graduated. year will be 10 years. Yeah, it'll be 10 years for me and Angel. Yeah, so... Oh, boy. Which means I saw the movie like 12 to 14 years ago, probably. <laughs> yeah, but... Wait, that's no, not right. That math is wrong. Thing, but... 10 to... 14. Oh, that's right. Yeah, ten to fourteen. Yeah, Prestige is a is a great movie. Um, Jason, I believe you and me have the same. Oh, is that so? Uh, oh, I, I I believe we will be awarding the same movie. Our quarantini. Uh, a double quarantini. Yes. Yeah. Palm double Springs quarantine. Indeed. Palm yeah. Springs. Wow. Would you like to explain why you like it first? 
I've I found it a very very it was I don't want to say like heartwarming exactly because that movie gets raunchy but and dark. it was yeah and it gets really dark too yeah you're right but it gets I, I don't know what to explain it's it's very I don't want to say wholesome either it, it's hard to put into words how this I guess warm is the best way that I could it has a lot explain of heart it. yeah sure um well I guess heartwarming I guess it is heartwarming um yeah but by the end I I love the the setting. I loved its premise. It's it's gimmick. You know, it's it's uh, it's Groundhog Day, but it's Groundhog Day where the main character doesn't want to leave the day. Right, and um, there's two of them, much like there are two quarantines. Yeah, and there's two of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I I I love that movie. That that I wonder if it would have gotten more recognition if it did get uh, theater screening time. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like you encompass what's actually. Good. I, I was worried if I went first, I was just gonna say my biases of why I like it because I'm a huge Lonely Island fan. They produced it, and Andy Samberg's in it, um, and also like that was the first movie I saw out somewhere. Like I left. It was the first time I went and did a thing in the world in COVID times. Like it was went to a drive-through. Who hosted it? It was. Um, they gave us those 12 cans of zero alcohol Heineken, which were something. And no, disgusting. but it was really, you can see it. it yeah, it was, those it are was disgusting. What if they want to sponsor us in the future, Kevin? You, get, you can't burn those bridges, but <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but no, it was like, it was really like, it was interesting to leave home, go to an event and like do a thing from the safety of a car and then have the movie basically be about how you're in this rote routine and you get to break free and like move on. And that kind of felt like what I, like it paralleled so nicely. So not only was the movie really well done, but it just like really resonated in that moment. Cause we were all stuck at home and then we, you know, I got to go do the thing. And it was just like, it, it really like clicked on so many levels besides just it being a very good movie in and of itself, which I really, really enjoyed it. Like it was, it didn't try and get, like buy off more than I can chew. It didn't try to be this whole bigger thing. Even when they try and explain how like the circumstance happened, they kind of do it in a sort of way that like is low key like the movie itself in many ways. Like it, it just it was like the right movie with the right vibe at the right time, and it's just really well made. And you think again, you can never yeah, see Andy Samberg the same way again, right? No, I just I see exactly how I'll see him because he basically plays a variant of himself. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just I just really. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. And it really stood out and at a time it needed to. Dope. Well, cool. So, yeah. And uh, I think that'll take us to our next category, our f- our favorite games that we played this year. Yeah, that so were new, the... that were new, that were new. New to us. Yeah, there new was um, there was a lot of competition for this spot, at least more than I thought there was. Um, like, I was actually considering giving it to Miles Morales because that one definitely... Oh, wow. Like, I did it on one run, but I don't know. I think I actually have to give it to the Octo expansion from Splatoon, the DLC story expansion thing. Because I feel like that was around the time. Around the time that I played it was when we were just starting to, I guess, really hit our stride with, like, oh, we're really going to be playing Splatoon this consistently and start entering tournaments and stuff. And I was just craving some more Splatoon, and, you know, it was there. The, the DLC had already been out for I don't know how many years. Maybe it was one or two. And 
not only did it scratch that itch, but it just made me appreciate the game a lot more. Like the music, the I don't know, the characters, the world building. I don't know. It felt like I, I don't know. It, it made it brought this newfound, I guess, love for Splatoon that I feel like I didn't have before. Like I'm pretty sure that whenever Splatoon three does come out, I will play it a lot more, especially online, and actually go harder on it. I, I don't know. I, I think I I'm motivated to treat it like another Smash Brothers, just because this DLC and you know just playing with the friends on Wednesdays has just brought this level of this game and franchise to a whole new level. That's so, yeah, big. You saying franchise. Smash Bros level? That's high um, praise. Any any game that I could like really dive into with friends and stuff like always gets like boosts into you know boosts into that category of games I really love. And yeah, Splatoon Forever. I mean, it's funny. Like it even started that way when we first got the game, and you refused to download it for <laughs> whatever reason. And we were playing at a Comic Con in line, and we we're like, "Come on, Jason, join us!" I was like, "No, I have to pick it up from Best Buy." And, and you know what I yeah. did? I picked it up from Best Buy. And you know what I now regret? Picking it up from Best Buy. You know why I wish I did? Download it. <laughs> so you win. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Octo Expansion DLC is my pick. So I've never played Splatoon or Splatoon Two or this Octo Expansion for that matter. <laughs> But I all but every now and then I will go back to that reveal trailer that Nintendo did because that music is so catchy. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the music the, it, whatever, it's whatever song that they use in that in that trailer is like, oh, it's it's perfect. It the, the, the world building one? they did was. No, I think he means the no, the kind of hip hop tinged one. Yeah, the the, I don't know it's there's like a na 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 na. I'm I'm absolutely editing that out. Huh. Well, that's 100 percent our episode title. Na 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 na. But uh, yeah, it. Please leave that in. Um, yeah, the music. I feel like the music, really, the world building in Splatoon is just so good, and the music's a big part of that. And they have like you know in-game bands. There's two of them, and they actually do the concert. I know. Like I, I, I love that a lot of their songs. Crazy. Like like oh, you have um, turquoise. Turquoise Sun Kiss or something like that featuring Cali or like you know they're all like listed like that in the official soundtrack yeah and I don't know it, it's great which you know does kind of bury the actual people that did compose it but you know the world building is fun I also didn't even but, I mean, realize not that. only that but like it's not the first fake band no I mean, no no yeah, Gorillaz yeah. essentially uh, what's her name the the J-pop star that does Toyota commercials here you know what I'm talking about mi, mi, hi, HM are the initials can't remember That's the name Miko? her her. No, it. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not real. It's not her. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, Turk with October. There you go. But either way, no, yeah, that's all great. And um, mm. I didn't realize that the composer for Splatoon was the same composer for Ring Fit Adventure. So I'm like, oh, no wonder. I find this music pretty oh, catchy as well. I did not either. And also kind of quirky, weird-sounding music. I mean, just different. Like, it definitely has its own sound to it that I feel is very different from other Nintendo games or OSTs in general, actually. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So what's your guys' pick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could keep going with the things that are on Switch train and say mine. Um, I, sure. You don't have to. It just worked out that way. <laughs> okay, well, no, but I mean, like, yeah, it's not like, oh, I have to go now. But yeah, it uh, it's interesting because, like, you... I was about to say, oh, you should have said Splatoon on the regular podcast, and I realized, no, wait, it didn't come out this year. And that's also true for mine, because I, Duh. back in February, really enjoy... <laughs> what? That's a duh. 
Oh, I thought you said perfectly. don't. I'm like, don't what? But no, I no. back in February really enjoyed What Remains of Edith Finch, which is from a couple years ago. And I – like I don't know if it, it – it might actually surpass – because the last – you know, around Nintendo, I said Animal Crossing is my game of the year. You're picking games from 2020. Edith Finch might surpass it just the experience – the gaming experience I had in 2020 because it was the first – I think it was maybe the first or one of the very first um, very – narrative driven interact yet interactive sort of experiences i mean obviously there's stuff like ace attorney which i played back on the ds and you know that was very visual novel but this was just like a whole it felt like i curled up with a book like it felt like because i was just sitting on the couches like i remember being like actually like a cold rainy day or as cold as la gets and i was just sitting there curled up with my switch and i played through the whole game in uh evening and it was it was really cool like i don't know just the way it combines it's storytelling with like the experiences you're basically working your way through learning more about this family um by going to their now empty house and they've all i believe passed away yeah they all have and um you just kind of are playing these vignettes of each of like a little slice of this family and kind of their dysfunction and their issues and kind of learning more about their history and it's just the way that each like little vignette is its totally own game totally unique own gameplay that still has kind of a thread of the same like control setup basically um in a way it's really like a dark sad drawn out wario wear like it's all the same two inputs but you do all these oh, different Jesus things with Christ. them <laughs> but like come on you know i'm not like totally wrong here like literally because wario wear you have a button and a stick and you're told figure out what to do and this is basically that but it could be you know one of them's like you have to just swing yourself on a swing and then it gets more elaborate and there's this fish cannery one towards the end that gets real crazy and it's just it's a really with the warrior the frog with the classical music what? oh yeah the and there's like, yeah, the frog and... in the bathtub yeah. yep there's that one too like it's just there's so many different things it does with such a simple input and it tells a story that really gets like flushed out over time and it just instantly clicked with me and it was really enjoyable and really unique and I, it kind of got me into that genre. I'm like, okay, maybe there's other stuff like this. So you I know what's funny? That I recommended this game to Jason a long time ago. I don't even remember you recommending it, honestly. Because cause I'm always looking for when – I, when I look for a game to recommend to Jason, I have to remind myself, okay, it can't be too complicated. I don't want to scare him away. Okay, okay, so, hold on. So we have to make sure that, like, you don't really have that many options. And in a way, I, I would describe Eden Finch kind of like a walking simulator. You're kind of being like – it's more interactive like... than one. No, no, no. It's it's, it's more. No, 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 no. I know, I know. I'm 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 kind yeah. of downplaying it a little. But it's kind of like you're going through like a theme park attraction. Like you kind of like come. There's like an a entrance. Dark, like depressing. Singular, there's a singular path, and honestly, I yeah, think it's, it's very because limited. you don't. And I think because um, there is only like you know one direction the story takes. I almost want to say that it does a better job of getting the story across than some of the Telltale games. Like as much as I love those, I think some. Sometimes like I think they get too tangled up in some of their gameplay elements that don't always work well. I feel like everyone agrees that controlling a character in Telltale games isn't the greatest thing ever. It just always and, feels a little awkward. And but, I've been kinda or go ahead, sorry. And and those are great. Like I mean I love I love them to death, but um I think I don't know, if we had more stuff like Edith Finch where it's not even I don't know, it's like somewhere between like a game and a story, I think more so than other story-based games and it's it's interesting i wish we could sell more stuff like this and i've been like trying to scratch the itch of finding but Jason something could actually like play games. hey okay i played i hey i my my game, game my game okay good save because i say my gameplay according to the switch here in review is up like 
a crazy amount percentage wise. I won't tell you raw numbers because they're still really sad, but percentage wise, they're really good. Uh, no, but I was going to say that, um, my, uh, I've been trying to like scratch the itch of something like Edith Finch since then because it was such a unique experience. I was really into it. So I tried like Firewatch, which I don't even think I talked about on Round 10. It didn't click with me in the same way, even though it's supposedly pretty, you know, story driven, simple controls, but it's, it's, it's more of a, it sounds weird to say it's more of a game. It's less of a narrative. So it kind of like, I don't know. Like if anyone out there has anything like Edith Finch that they could send my way, I think I'm like really like if anyone can hook me up, if anyone has a Edith Finch plug or something, like let me know because I need more like that. Like tweet me or something because I JSR Seven is the handle. But no, like literally, I'm looking for more games just like this. Like the closest thing, very different gameplay, but Sayonara Wild Heart, which is a rhythm game, was the same sort of linear progression, same simple controls, same you're doing different things based off the same controls, just had a rhythm thing on top, and the story was a little more abstract. But, like, that sort of thing, like, I really like now. And Edith Finch is what kind of opened my eyes to it. So I think the uniqueness of it and sort of steering me in that new direction um, is why it probably ended up being my game of the year. Maybe even more so than Animal Crossing. Plus it also cost you nothing, right? No, it was like, oh, yeah, it was on sale. It was like two bucks. Because I think you had a discount or something. No, it was, I just happened to glance at Twitter at, like, 2.30 in the morning on a random Tuesday. I don't know why I was awake. And Target or someone was selling it by accident for like eighty percent off, so it was like two bucks instead of like twenty. And I was like, oh. And I actually thought it was a different game when I first bought it. I initially, thought it was what's the one that you played, Ken, where you're on the ship and it's all like Game Boy camera graphics. The Oberdin. Oh, uh, yeah, Return. Yeah. Of the so Oberdin. when I yeah Oberdin. So when I um initially got him, like, oh, this is the one that Kevin talked up once, and I like bought it, and I looked at him like. No, it's oh, not. Wow. <laughs> I just because it was two <laughs> three in the morning. I was happy. So you were gonna get Oberdin. I mean, it sounds like I you might like that game then. Yeah, or it might I, be too I cerebral might cerebral for you. I don't know. I don't. Uh, okay, too cerebral for me. All right. Uh, I don't. <laughs> you're just coming hot, coming in hot today. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, I, I probably will eventually get it, but I was very pleasantly surprised. With, I mean, I'm uh, trying to get you to play Paper Mario, but it seems to scare you away. Hey, why every episode you have to bring it up? It's not pressuring <laughs> me successfully. Clearly, by episode eight, where you do this, you should know. <laughs> I need to try a new tactic. No, I, I, I will. I will. Yeah, you just have to like bring someone to my apartment and put a gun in my hand and be like play paper mario no i'll play it Jeez, if that's what it takes i'm like no God. no no it's not i mean definitely not don't be surprised if that happens then okay you hire a task rabbit to put a hit on me <laughs> <laughs> don't worry we'll use the uh, we'll use those on splatoon water guns from target instead of a real that gun works. that works oh. but yeah anyway so point is edith finch really good game really like it so that's mine edith what about finch. you kevin uh I was almost compelled to say Hades because, as you guys know, one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. But cons- I feel like that'd be a little cheap if I just went that route. So it would. It's while, <laughs> while Hades gets gets the the Quarantini. Um, I will give the the I guess the honorable mention Quarantini, which is uh, I guess what what would that trophy look like? It's like a the clear version of it. It's yeah. one made out of maybe aluminum a bronze foil. version. It's aluminum oh, yeah. foil. There we go. It's an aluminum foil. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna give it to Apex Legends. Interesting. Oh. Just because even though even though I have played it before, this was the year where it is now my go to game. Like absolutely. Uh, more than and Overwatch? I know. Oh yeah, more than Overwatch for sure. It's especially I haven't played Overwatch in a while, months at this point. But every 
every week I at least put I don't know another twenty hours into into Apex Legends, whether I'm playing it solo, whether I'm playing it with with Elvis and and the crew there, whether I'm playing it with some of my coworkers. It was the year where I truly fell in love with the game. Where before it was like okay, you know, it's it's just trying to cash in on the PUBG slash Fortnite battle royale thing, and it mm-hmm. was fun back then. But this is the first year where I truly want to have a go at it. And before I was terrible. Now I can call myself mediocre, and that's fine enough for me to keep on going. And I'm spending, I'm spending money on this game. I'm I'm spending twenty dollars on like skins. That's how much I love this game. They um, you. You get in those Dick Tracy it, ones. Oh, they look so cool, but I, no, I don't think I don't think I am. Um, but yeah, it's and I'm I'm super excited for it to come out on the Switch, so like a new breed of players can come in, and I can possibly destroy them in crossplay, uh, or maybe they'll destroy me. I don't know, but yeah, I think the evolution that that game's done, especially with how changed it is compared to what it launched with when it launched it only had eight characters i believe we're up to 16 now oh wow so like yeah it's doubled its cast at this point um not bad yeah the they added crafting this year like a a crafting system which is super fun they added they, they switched up the meta with like with armor how armor works and that switched up the gameplay by a lot the developers are constantly listening to to the fans, whether it be on the subreddit and the developers, they will mess up every now and then, but they own up to their mistakes and they'll change it as soon as they can. Um, yeah, I've, I have nothing but good things to say about, about Apex Legends. It's a, it's a, it's a great game, but Hades will get the quarantine for me. And if you want to know why I spoke about Hades at length in like what, four Nintendo episodes ago, uh, something like that. The episode Somewhere called heck that? of a yeah. time. Is the one. Yeah, heck of a time. Heck um, of a time. I'll look up the number yeah. right now while you guys are talking. You think yeah, I just so, know uh, these things like a walking random Nintendo encyclopedia? Yeah. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. Let me just open up my Switch here and see if the game I ever downloaded. Because I bought it yesterday because Hades is on sale. It's 20% off right now. I believe it's $20 on the eShop. There it is. It's on mm-hmm. my home screen. Nice. Oh, man. And it's, I'm about it's to episode, lose a lot of time to it. It's episode 240 from October 25th. Fittingly, Halloween time. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So there you so go. So Hades with uh, Apex Legends getting the the uh, honorable mention there for my favorite game. Quarantini is being passed around. Uh, favorite <laughs> TV show? Uh, this might be a little because I we don't watch a lot of TV. I, at least I don't. Uh, Angel, do you have a favorite TV show of the year? I do. It's kind of an interesting category. So whoa, I'm gonna. So I have. Um, that was pure enthusiasm. Gonna give a quick, right there, I'm going to give a really quick shout out to the Mandalorian and Shiz Creek. Um, I knew he was going to say the Mandalorian, even though he hasn't. Dude, seen it. he he's seen only the finale of both. He has not seen any other episode. Oh wait, no, he saw seven episodes of Shiz Creek, and then nothing for five years, and then the finale, and he saw literally just the finale of Mandalorian. So I'm glad he enjoyed them without any context. Um, yeah, they they entertained me for the duration of that episode. Um, so for I 22 minutes, Shiz Creek entertained you enough to shout it out. For 22 minutes. Yeah, I think it deserves that. That's a bold, that. that's, a, that's high praise. <laughs> uh, Mandalorian. Think of it I, as like I, the I, shortest I, mini-series of all time. <laughs> it, pretty mini-series, much, yeah, just, like, mini, just a one-off, it's like a little mini-movie. 
And then like the Mandalorian, um, like that one. Spoilers. If it was, I, I was, I was hoping. I, w- I was hoping to get. Um, I was hoping to be a little more confused and a little more like, oh, who's this? Who's that? What's going on? But they had a little recap before the episode started, and it ended up making <laughs> everything pretty, really easy to follow. Hey, hey I have like, a question. Like, the only thing that I was missing out on was seeing the actual power of some object that I guess I won't see yet. Because all we saw on screen was it pretty much being lame. But I'm guessing we saw its destructive power elsewhere because, yeah, it, it seemed pretty lame. Other than that... I, um, I have a question. Um, if yes. you're going to shout those out, before you get to your pick, considering you just named the two I was going to say... Oh, really? Should, should I interject? <laughs> Yeah, you might as well take your turn. Okay. Hi, everyone. It's Jason with his quarantini pick for uh, TV show of the year. So, no, honestly, I well, think – um, Well, that's what I was about to say. I it's it's tight. I think I'm going to give it to Shit's Creek. So the thing about Mandalorian is you may recall a couple episodes ago. Oh, the um, Breaking Bad I, of comedies as someone – As someone we know likes to say who listens to this show. So you know who <laughs> Wait, you who are. Said that? Wink. <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> Nigel. Uh, <laughs> the Breaking Bad of comedies. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to text anyway. that man right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, what I was just is I was kind of torn. So you may recall a few episodes ago when we were talking about Mandalorian as kind of like the mid-season catch-up. I was saying that it felt like they were branching it more into like why can't it just be a slice of its own thing and just kind of live on its own and whatever. Listen, I still feel that way about a lot of it. But like wow did they deliver at that ending. I'm not going to say too much for anyone who hasn't seen it. But that like it was fan service but it was like so – so good like just the way they unrolled it the way it happened was just really good yeah. and i i know was, i'm not making sense because i'm to my 40 minute watch of it it was it was a payoff to two years of watching in a way i mean i was very happy with what it was but to have it turn into that was really cool just because it like really like and again i realize i'm contradicting everything i said about mandalorian two two quarantine chronicles ago or maybe one but like that moment was really cool and in general the show's just really fun like the reason angel i think you're able to keep up with it is because it is very monster of the week for the most part i mean season two less so but they do a really good job of like it's <laughs> gonna sound stupid they do a really good job of not having a plot so it's really easy to follow uh but no it is it is fun and it's like little slices so um yeah that was a very close especially that ending like I had people texting me that haven't talked to me in months that were just like oh my god did you see that but uh that was very close but i some friends I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, did you reply no, back? Those are jokes. Those are Yeah, I know they were. Uh, I replied back like, who are you again? No, of course not. Um, but the... New, new phone who this? Yeah, exactly. No, but the, the one that I'm going to give the quarantine... So that gets the aluminum foil quarantini. The, um, you know, the AFQ. The one that gets the actual aluminum foil. Yeah, AF. Uh, the one that gets the actual quarantine for me is Shit's Creek, though. I, I really enjoyed it. And I think what I really liked is... One, it's funny, um, but also just it's Breaking very Bad rare for funny? comedy to have the sort. What? Breaking Bad funny. It's too. It's. I mean, it's the Breaking Bad of comedies, according to our friend. But the uh, no, the thing I really liked about it is unlike a lot of comedies, it did not fall into that pitfall of the characters just becoming exaggerated versions of their season one selves as each season goes on. The closest it comes to that is Catherine O'Hara's character, who you may know as the Home Alone mom. Which I didn't realize until way late into into uh, Shit's Creek, but the um, her isms 
she has a certain pattern of speaking that gets exaggerated but everything about every main character in that show is they actually develop they actually change over the five seasons you actually see an arc and growth and who they are in the finale you saw angel is not who they are in season one it's not who they are in season three it's not even who they are in season four like it, it you see the growth through the show and for a comedy to do that at the level they did really was kind of cool to see because it's it's very rare that comedy does it quite that well so i i thought that was really cool and it is a really funny show and you know i always thought of eugene levy as uh the american pie dad but now like i'm never gonna for now i just i'm always gonna think of him as johnny from schitt's creek and his son uh dan levy who plays david on the show like yeah he uh what oh wow we couldn't even like remember his name no, no, his you know, you son's name is Dan Levy. He plays his son's name is Dan Levy. He plays David on the show. Is what I said. Oh wait, wait. The father and son actually play father and son. Yeah. You, wait. You can't tell that Eugene Levy from the twenty-two minutes you watched. You couldn't tell that Eugene Levy and Dan Levy are related. They have the exact same face. Their eyebrows are equally visible from space. How can you not tell that? <laughs> I don't know. But um. Just, yeah, no, their father son. Yeah. And and Dan Levy, who plays David, um, wrote the show along with the writing, but he's kind of the creative force really? behind the show and his dad just acted it. Yeah, and so that's all his thing. And like the way he granted I can't relate to this personally, but the way he channeled his own life story into the um you know, into the David character in terms of him like the relationships he's in and his family and how they support him and kind of, you know, all that is um i thought it was very cool like he, he kind of made it somewhat all about graphical while still making a really funny show with these people that are definitely not real but the situations are in certainly can be so yeah i thought it was i thought it was a really good show and it was very heartwarming in the end and yeah so i think even though mandalorian had like that pow at the end and each episode was fun to watch like Shit's creek was just a really satisfying arc over those five seasons that angel watching like 22 minutes you don't fully experience the arc you just get that little you got the period at the end of the sentence, or the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. You didn't get I got the, the sentence. In a way, yeah, but it, it's just a fun show. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm giving Shit's Creek my. my I mean, I have, a, I have a carrot at the end of the poll now. I I am more motivated to check it out eventually. And, like, it's crazy because even the side characters go through their own arcs. Like, everyone changes. Everyone in that show is not who they are in season one, which is so rare for, like, any comedy. I mean, think of, like, the, the like, side, like, joke characters like parks and rec or something they're just kind of static like that like and i, I love say, parks um, and rec always i was gonna say always sunny but I think we're always sunny the where they're they just don't in... change exactly yeah so that one that one kind of works because that's kind of what they're doing but like if you think about like, like a parks or an office or something like the growth of those characters versus the shits creek guys just felt it's like on a different level i don't know and they're both great shows don't get me wrong but i just shits creek was very satisfying so yeah, and it took it. It took it winning a bunch of Emmys for me to finally be like, "Yeah, maybe I should check this out." And boy, <laughs> was I late to that party. But I'm glad I did. It. So, so that's uh, that's my pick. So, Angel, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? Um, yeah, so I'm gonna award my quarantini to Parks and Rec because I saw that show. Hey, for the, I saw that show for Great the first show. time this year. Um, it took me being really, really sick earlier in the year, um, but I finished most of it like in one sitting i think i had to watch like maybe a few episodes after um but i yeah i went from like not really liking it in the beginning to you know liking all the characters like understanding why people like it so much and maybe and also why i think i feel a lot of people like it more than the office i feel is like the the consensus mm-hmm. they get from most people that i ask 
Like, all, yeah. like people seem to both love the shows a lot, but for the most part, I feel like Parks and Rec seems like a more fleshed out office. But, Pro um, tip for that point. Pro tip: you will not find you will not find any pushback from me when when people say that. I I 100%. think Parks and Recreation is much better than The Office, mainly mm-hmm. because. I don't think Parks and Recreation ever had a dip in quality the same way that uh, The Office did. Yeah, especially post season six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, and like those. And to and be also, fair, like it, it I was just gonna say to be like, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> like, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know if it has a bigger cast than The Office, but it almost seems like the time that people are given is a little more spread out. I feel like in The Office, we almost exclusively just get Jim, Michael, and Dwight for the most part. Even though there are like other episodes revolving around other characters, it does feel like we're just following those three like 90% of the time. But in Parks and Rec, it feels a little more spaced out. Also, just Amy Poehler's character, I think it's just really great. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think... I don't know. She's just always fun to watch. And, you know, same thing with um, Moonbeam City main character. Uh, I forget his name. Nick Offerman? Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Oh, Rob Lowe. Right, Nick Offerman. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I got that one wrong." And Get out of here. A condescending tone, too. <laughs> all right, so what, what, right, what were you going to say? I just say a couple things. One, I feel like I sort of knocked. I, I feel like Parks has a really good progression with his characters too. Like, I'm not saying Shit's Creek is totally illegal. So, I love Parks. Parks is one of my all-time favorite comedies. So, I'm very glad you got to experience it. Um, and I think one of the things it does well, to your point about the broader cast, is Parks and Rec to me is the closest there is to a real life Simpsons. In terms Absolutely. of the town is a character and yeah. the members of the town keep yeah. coming in and out in ways that are very Simpsons-y. Like it's basically Springfield and I think that makes it really strong because they did some it, – it makes very for good cartoony, world, yeah. world building. I mean just look at Purd. Yeah. I mean yeah. Yeah. Happily, no, yeah. yeah, Purd happily. Like the, town, like, the town hall scenes are always like my favorite scenes in Parks and Recreation yeah. because we, we will get like the requisite idiots like there's that guy that just chants every single time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You have who? Who else do you have there? You you have the guy that's always like mad for some re- for like some dumb reason. Uh, There's the guy who yeah, those... um, I forgot. He always has the same talking point every single time, but I forgot what his talking point was. But he's in like like you know what I'm talking about. He's also like not a cult leader, but he always comes in with the same like request every time. And I was like, no, but I can't remember what I he says. I don't remember, but but yeah, but like yeah, no, it's really good, and I love the Simpsonsiness of that. Um, yeah, Pawnee, Pawnee Indiana, yeah, is, is yeah, Springfield yeah. for sure. And that's actually something I wish Shit's Creek did a little more. Is this this tiny town, and they have these recurring characters, but like they stop short of being like, like honestly, it's probably supposed to be the size of Pawnee Shit's Creek, if not a little smaller. And I just feel like that was a missed opportunity for them to introduce side characters as kind of running gags more than they did. Because, uh, but maybe not because like Pawnee, like Parks does it so well. Like I don't think anyone can really top that. But yeah, that, the other thing I was gonna say is, um, or go ahead. Like, when I watched the finale of Shit's Creek, like, literally everyone that appeared in that final episode, like, I had met in those first seven. Yep. Like, there wasn't anyone kinda... new. So, so I was kind of wondering, like, wait, were there any other... I mean, besides the the one in the other half of David, um, yeah. he's, like, the only new character that I didn't recognize. It's like, are there really no other characters? And and I think that is both the pro, the strength and weakness of Shit's Creek is the strength yeah, yeah, because it, yeah. they keep it, it so m- small... You know, they could really flesh out those characters, but the downside like said, is there are a few others. Growth, which is, yeah. Yeah. 
and there's only like three or four others that really have any role in the show and they're not really there for the finale but um yeah yeah parks, parks is just really good at that uh, the other thing of my favorite things about not liking them to liking them it's cool one of my one of my favorite things that Parks and Recreation does is when we hear little bits and little stories about, I guess, the world, mm-hmm. and then later on we will go to those places. So, like, the fifth floor is always talked about how terrible it is, and then in one episode they have to go to the fifth floor yeah. of the uh, of City Hall, or we always hear about how the library sucks, and then eventually we we go to the library and everybody sucks there and. Yep. Uh, like what else is it? Oh, Eagleton. Eagleton is the biggest one where there's an entire season like mm-hmm. dedicated to just uh, Eagleton. Yeah, Kristen and Bell and we and we learn yeah, and there. we learn why. Yeah, we learn why exactly Pawnee and Eagleton hate each other. Mm-hmm. It's I, I love that about Parks also, and Recreation. John Ralphio, hands down, the best side character in anything. I love John Ralphio. Oh, so absolutely. Like, it's funny, yeah. I, I, I totally thought, like, before I started watching the show and I would just randomly see it as, like, my sister or other people watched it, I totally thought I was going to hate that character or just find him really obnoxious. But, no, he's just really funny. Like, they know how to how mm-hmm. to use him or, I guess, not overuse him. Him and his sister, Mona Lisa, were pretty funny. That yeah. and, and, and one of the things that was really nice in early quarantine, even though it wasn't necessarily the best, just seeing it, when they did the Parks and Rec reunion special thing, whatever you want to call oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like that – the 30 Rock one, not so much. But when they did – just because it's too much of an ad. But when they did the Parks and Rec one, like that was one of the first things in quarantine. And it was so nice even briefly just to have them back and to go back to that world and to see even John Ralphio now shilling for infomercials or whatever he was doing. Like it was just really cool to like get a chance to revisit those characters after so it's cool angel you got to experience them all for the first time but even for those of us who have seen the show already it was nice to be able to sort of dip back into pawnee yeah what was it 40 minutes or so so only because i definitely started the show and finished it this year like otherwise i like it no no yeah i definitely started um the good place years ago it was I only I, finally got, I finally finally got to watch the final season this year but damn yeah that, that, that one gets from my the same people so yeah, that one gets my what was it? The AFK, the AFQ, the, the, the AFQ. aluminum foil yeah. quarantini. Quarantini. Oh, AFQ. also quick, yeah, that one, quick that one pro definitely gets tip my AFQ. From sure. the Office versus Parks and Rec debate, yes, Parks and Rec is definitely better. If you need an icebreaker on dating apps, I'm now going to pass on this knowledge now that I've retired from those. That is the line. Like putting Parks and Rec is better than the Office. That gets people talking. That little tidbit for you. Believe it or is not, is that how you met your girlfriend? Uh, that wasn't specifically how, but Parks and Rec being my favorite comedy uh, was definitely in my bio, and it's hers, <laughs> <laughs> so it's worked. Yeah. Oh. But um. Perfect. But no, like seriously, that that putting like like I think Hinge is one that's like put like a st- like a statement or something. If you put Parks and Rec in the office, it yeah. Even if they're not interested in you, there's good debate you on it if they disagree or agree with you. <laughs> so uh, so there I, you go. I love a good debate. Um, yeah, so there you go. I, I'll, I'll continue the I'll continue the, the the comedy train here and say what we do in the shadows uh, gets my quarantini. I TV adaptations of movies will always be a hit or a miss. I feel like there's no in between, but I feel like this is a case where the TV show like superseded the movie. The movie is hilarious. You guys know how much I love Taika Waititi and his comedy. Yeah, but the the way that the show sort of adapts the rules of the movie um 
and makes it its own, I think is just hilarious. It's, it's, the show is one of the funniest shows I've ever seen in my life. Um, and not only that, but like they do spoiler alert for the season finale of what we do in the shadows of the first season, but they bring in so many, um, I guess vamp, like, I guess iconic vampires from like other pieces of media. So they have, not only do they have, um, Taika Waititi's character from the movie, but at one point Wesley Snipes is in the movie. Is is oh, is in the is in the episode? What? Yeah, as Blade. Yeah. Wait, what? Wow. <laughs> yes. How did they even get the rights to that? Is that because FX is now owned by Disney, who owns Marvel? Uh, no. So so they don't they don't uh, explicitly say that he's Blade. Uh, but okay. Wesley Snipes is a vampire in uh That's so in that funny. episode of What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Um. No, it's it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, who else was? Oh yeah, Tilda Swinton was was in it. Was. Uh, Danny Trejo was in it as well. It's it's such a funny show. I wish more people would watch it because mm-hmm. unfortunately it is stuck on FX and FX isn't pulling the same amount of viewers that they used to. Um, FX on Hulu that is an option. Oh yeah, because that's gonna confusion. Yeah. yeah, um, but it is getting a third season. Uh. I hope they know that they probably don't have enough time to to keep on going. So, hopefully, they close out season three with uh, with enough confidence to be like, you know what? If this is the series finale, it'll be the series finale. But, um, yeah, that, that's that's what I'm gonna go with. What we do in the shadows, absolutely hilarious. Gets my 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 uh, my quarantini for sure. Definitely adding that to and, the list. Uh, Sounds interesting. Yeah. And uh, with that, let's move on to favorite anime. I believe I will bow Jason's out of this category. Sing this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. I will be bowing out here. <laughs> uh, Angel, do you want to start, or should I start? Um, I could start it. It's fine. So yeah, this one should be pretty easy. I did watch a ton of anime this year, but yeah, none gave me like the the punch to the gut that. I was looking for in any medium as much as Your Lie in April. Damn, mm-hmm. like that anime. Like, I, I, I don't know. I I do watch slice of life anime. I like I know I've mentioned before that I have like um, moments where, or I guess months where I want to watch something very fantastical. Where I'm watching, you know, Your Attack on Titans, Your My Heroes, Your very weird trippy anime. I I think I went too extreme that one time with that one about the. The, balls. the kappas and the anal gland thing. Oh, whoops, that's even worse. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> and usually, like... But, usually the the few slice of life shows that I watch, um, they're usually, like, hinging on something. It's not, like, literally just the everyday life of X character. There's always something. Like, another one that I would definitely give my AFQ to. I think that's what we called it. I keep forgetting that's, the acronym. That's the runner-up one, yep. yes. Aluminum Foil Quarantini. Yeah, the the one I would definitely give the quarantini for it would be um, Hands Off My Azokin. I want to say I saw that this year, or maybe that was last year. But that's literally like an anime about making anime. Like, there's no fantastical elements, it's just kids making an anime. And they just give so much attention to detail to the animation process, the editing process, like everything that is just engaging. But this one, like, 
damn, like it just gave me like such a nice appreciation for music, kind of like even like soul, like it kind of touches on like existential crises and what it means to live and it's just so good. And I mean, yeah, like that one, like that one wrecked me at the end. Like even like remember, I remember even watching it. Like I liked it so much that I rewatched the whole thing with my, with my sister and brother-in-law just because I really wanted to share with them. And they also like, I want to say they also like felt the same way at the end. Like it also hit them. It also hit them in the gut. And there's other things that make me relate to the show a lot, but man, I don't know if I, it's like, I definitely am worried that I'm not going to see another anime or show that will literally like pull at my heartstrings as hard as that one did. Like, I think the last time I was like that, like bawling that much was like for Coco or something, but yeah, you're lying April. Definitely just coming by surprise. Glad I finally checked it out, even though I, I knew it existed, but man, freaking animation. Such a powerful medium. Cool. Uh, my anime quarantini is going to one that you actually know well, Angel. Um, Boku oh. Dokeka Inaimachi. Is that how you say it? Better known as Erased. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I know. Like no one so no one calls it erased in Japan. And even like <laughs> really? the opening, it's yeah, it is never just erased because it's called yeah, Boku Dake got I butchered that. No, Rolls erased right off the tongue. <laughs> erased was fantastic. Uh I you know what? I'm a little mixed on the ending, but the rest of it was strong enough for me to consider this as one of my favorites for sure. Um I'm happy to hear that. Love that show. Yeah, Erase is, is so great. Basically, this one guy is sent back in time through no power of his own to uh his uh what his like middle school days or something like that? Ele- yeah, elementary school days. I think. Yeah. I think yeah, um, it's like early middle school. Yeah. And he's trying to solve like this murder mystery that happened twenty years ago and now with the knowledge of everything that happened, he's just trying to figure out this murder and trying to prevent something horrible that happens to him in the future. Um, I don't know. It, I thought it was great. The, the, I was going to say performances, but the characters are all, are all like super, super cool. They're all, they're all young kids, but, and they have their own set of problems, but it's told in a realistic manner. Um, the, the mystery stuff itself, I, I love as, as everybody did, as everybody consumed this year, like murder mysteries was Tiger King this year? It was in April, yeah. Yeah, wow. so yeah, so it, it's I definitely got on board of that tr- that train of like, oh, this mystery and like the jinx and stuff like that and the fact that this was an anime version with a fantastical element attached to it was was exactly what I needed. It, it, this is almost like what I wanted Tokyo Ghoul to be. Um, a, something a little slightly fantastical mixed with like slice of life because this is to a degree a slice of life anime where it's just kids going day by day going to school uh slowly falling in love even though it's weird that a 29 year old's falling in love with a 14 year old but that's a a whole whole different thing uh it's not as black and white as i just made it sound (laughs) um and it's short uh, it's only 12 episodes yeah sure yeah 12 episodes perfect and the I mean, opening, one it. of the greatest openings in uh, anime history, I would say. Mm-hmm. 
Asian Kung Fu Generation, one of the one of like the the more known uh, bands to contribute their their music to to anime openings. Everybody would probably know them from that second Naruto opening. Um, that was a good during opening. the exams. Oh wait, yeah. that was them. Yeah, that was them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and they also did uh, the second to last Naruto Shippuden opening, which is also I feel like one of the best ones. But uh, aside from that, yeah, erase. <laughs> like that one, erase. Yeah, um, erase. That gets my quarantine for favorite anime. That'll bring us to Watch favorite it, album. All right, I'm Jason, back. you can come back. I'm back. Jason, come back. Hi. All right, anyway, you go favorite uh, album. Yeah, you go first, Jason. Okay, so this one. Um, well, there's two ways of looking at this, right? Because there's there's the album you listen to for the first time, in 2020, and then there's like album. You, all right, so what I'm getting at basically is there. I'm sort of torn because I got a really cool version of an album I already own and have heard for 20 years, which was the 20th edition box set of Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory, which is insane. It comes with like lithographs and this art book and all these demos and like like there's like it's like 200 songs in total there's like all these previous release fan club tracks and then there's eight or nine entirely new demos including ones from before chester is in the band when it was their original vocalist and that's all really cool so in terms like a complete package of an album that gets it maybe that gets the aluminum foil quarantini but in terms of like new music i experienced in 2020 i'm gonna give it i think to the weekends after hours which was just like my album this year like i really really like i mean i'm a big weekend fan in general but like that album he was so like it it was his most ambitious in a way i'd say like it was um it, it the music itself is kind of like this age inspired like synthy pop r&b synth wave thing that kind of goes different directions at different times but it was so like cohesive the whole thing like everything about this it is, um, and Star it came Boy out person right this is Starboy yeah, person, Star but this Boy. is this is uh, the Blinding Lights song. If that helps, say it's that album, all but the just lights? the bl- Blinding Lights, blinding not lights. all the lights. Mm, You're a lost cause. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> no, but all the like it was just so co- like he went in with like artistic vision. It was very cohesive. The you album the tells verse. a story. The verse. I'm not gonna sing it. The <laughs> album tells the story of like him losing, I guess, the love of his life or a girlfriend or whatever, and then kind of going like slipping into like madness and recklessness and kind of being this macho like i get whatever i want where it gets a little more hip-hop infused and then it kind of goes back to him missing the person and it like tells a story of like his whole breakup path and everything but like everything he did around the album was so cohesive like every performance he did he'd wear the same outfit but slowly get more and more injured as he gets slowly more and more reckless with each single that goes further and further down that rabbit hole and it was just like a really cool approach to like storytelling within the album and the music was really good and it came out literally the weekend of quarantine um i think maybe not for california but for a lot of places and it was kind of like those first few months it was it was basically like the thing i listened to and it was um and it's still like well yeah still my favorite album of the year so i, I will probably give it to him and that and also he put on some really like snazzy performances for it like he did a really crazy one for the vmas where he's like on top of a building they launched fireworks off the river like the hudson river right there and it's like the whole backdrop's just new york city with fireworks going off they did another one here in la on a bridge with fireworks like it was there's a lot of money that went to that album production wise performance wise concept wise and the music videos all fit the story arc of the live performances like the injuries that he shows in the live performances occur or get worse in the videos it's like this one through line and it's 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 really interesting and the music's really good and yeah so that's that's my album of the year cool yeah 
uh, I'll, I guess I'll go next. So originally, I, I guess the, the AFQ was going to go to RTG4. Mm. Uh, especially Ooh. that, I feel like that's what? Run the Jewels, run the Jewels 4. Run the Jewels. Which, is, oh. which is very good. I was very close to giving it to that. I one, know that name for sure. We talked about it over the summer. Yeah. Um, they played it a lot. I feel like that's a very important album for the year, actually. Uh, totally. Nothing with a gimme more, less of an album and more of a statement by mm-hmm. by Run the Jewels, but that that's almost that's almost like Run the Jewels just in general. But uh, what I will be giving my quarantine to is how do they call what did they call this? Whatever the album is called that Gorillaz put out this year. Oh, the song machine. The, um, song machine. Yeah, the, with all the yeah, collaborations. Song yeah, Song Machine. Yeah. Here, let me. Song Machine Season One: Strange Times. Um, man, what an impressive package this album is. It's it's the Gorillas collaborating with all sorts of people, ranging from Robert Smith of The Cure all the way to like Elton John. Mm-hmm. Um, and every song sounds so different. It it's vastly different from anything that the Gorillas have ever put out. And the way that it was actually put out was interesting. It was essentially they were releasing a song every two or three weeks, and they would hype up the the new track by by like announcing who they were collaborating with. And it's almost like this visual experience where they take you behind the scenes of every song on like their YouTube on their YouTube channel. Uh, it's such uh, I guess what's the word that I'm looking for. It's such a weird way to put out music. It's such a 2020 way to put out music. <laughs> like the way that they, like, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, that's actually the perfect streaming way to put platforms it. or not gamed them, but mm-hmm. like leveraged it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's like it's like a web series slash an album slash a behind the scenes. You know what kind of reminds there's, me of? There's music videos attached to most of the songs, if not all of them. It feels yeah, very it's... much like the modern day, and granted this was only three years ago, but the modern day equivalent of Foo Fighters' Sonic Highways, where Foo Fighters went yes. city to city and yes, recorded exactly. in... <laughs> I knew you would, Angel. I knew you would. No, but uh, they go city to city, and they recorded with local artists from that city, some famous, some not, and each track on the album was recorded in a different city with that like sort of flair of that city, and then they put out a... HBO doc docu series that documented each of the recordings in each of the cities. So like in New Orleans, they had like a big brass band, and you know, like kind of a street band. In uh, Chicago, they got like a blues guy, you know, that sort of thing. And this feels like that on steroids, but built in such a way that's perfect to roll out as they do them um, to streaming services and just have the songs kind of live. And then I imagine, I imagine they didn't plan to do the compilation originally, and then once they had enough, they're just like, well, let's just package it all up. Because it feels sure. like I remember I remember Gorillaz originally announcing it and being like, "Oh yeah, we're just gonna like put these out and you know we'll just keep putting them out." But it, mm-hmm. it it's and it's then, a cool approach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really liked their last album, the the Now Now. That was I think last year. But uh, was that last year? When, when did I, they I do? So. When did they do the one? Let me look up what it's called. The one that has the song with Glass Night is what I remember it by. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, which one was that one? I'm looking it up. Uh, working on Fifth it. Baby, Glass Night, the, the DJ's uh, been Oh, um, again. Humans. Humans, 2017. Never mind. Okay, 2017. They yeah. had one since Humans? 2017. What happened? They had one since Humans? Yeah, that the Now Now. That no. one was How released a year after after uh, Humans. Oh, it was, it was a very 
I feel like it was a very low key release, honestly. Mm, okay. But that that one had a really good song, "Humility," which was the opening track. That also one felt not... like a more return to form than "Humans" because "Humans" was was really out there. It was, um, and it's but, not "Glass but... Night." Sorry, it's Mavis Staples. I can't believe I mixed them up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know where I got "Glass but so- Night." But "Song Machine" is even way more out there than "Humans" was. But I, as as different as all the sound as all the sounds as all the songs sound. I, there is some cohesion there uh, that you can hear underlying through like all the songs, and mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate everything that this, uh, I guess, this project has uh, has released. It's really, really dope. I'm really excited for a season two or their next album. Um, maybe more, more season two than their than their next album. I uh, I need to check yeah. it out. I keep seeing it like pop up, like the videos. I just haven't gotten. I haven't looked at it. I should check it out. It sounds really cool and ambitious. I really need yeah. to give the Gorillas another listen. I don't think I've heard a song of theirs since Feel Good Inc. I think that's what it was called. Oh, that's, that's way back when. Well. That's the iPod commercial era. Yeah, that's like 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, Plastic uh, Beach. Is that the album or the song? Plastic um, Beach was the album right after uh, yeah. Danger Days. Or Demon right. Days. Demon Days. Because, yeah, Plastic Beach, I really like a song on there. It's like Melancholy Hill or On Melancholy. Something like that. I really like that song. On Melancholy Hill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I only have a smattering of, kill- of killers, but I did like humans and its weirdness, which also kind of had a through line, like an undercurrent of similarity in its songs. So I should check out Song Machine. Mm-hmm. Gotta turn your cool. quarantini into a recommendation. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, no worries. This is, I mean, <laughs> for, you could think of all of these as re- yeah, you could think of all of these as recommendations. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, exactly. So, what about you, Angel? Uh, Angel, do you have a f- yeah? Oh man, I, I definitely do. This album, as soon as I knew it existed, I immediately bought it. So, my my quarantini for album goes to the Your Lion April soundtrack. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I had a feeling it was going to be something like that. <laughs> I knew it. No, I was about to jokingly say it, but I didn't want to get ahead of him if it was it. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> yeah, so, besides, like, the show's themes and whatnot, you know, obviously hitting a chord with me, um, the music, like, the, the show revolves around, like, piano. So you just hear a bunch of compositions throughout, and they actually, back in 2014, they did have an official soundtrack that has pretty much like all like music from Beethoven, Fritz, Tchaikovsky, and Chopin, and it made me really appreciate them like a lot more. Like because of this, like I actually like ended up doing some research into some of these tracks when they were when they came out and other pieces that were like you know. Um, I guess strung together with and man like I don't know like a lot of these are just so great like it feels like you're just listening to a story it, it gave me you know like a new fun appreciation for classical music especially like you know some of Beethoven stuff like one of the tracks on here it's like everyone knows like Moonlight Sonata but there's like a third movement of Moonlight Sonata of Moonlight that we I feel like we almost never hear and that's in the soundtrack and it's like amazing there is like the Waltz from the Sleeping Beauty by Tchaikovsky that is also really, really great. And damn, I can't even like get started on like ballad number one in G minor. That's what it's called by Chopin. Can, just um, that sentence. Damn, I can't even get started on ballad number <laughs> one by G minor. I'm glad you're enjoying uh-huh. it though. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what OP23 stands for, but that's part of the name. But that one, like a lot of these, I guess like they just, I love these so much because they remind me of like Fantasia. I think Fantasia is 
mostly responsible for that in video games are like mainly responsible for my I guess fixation on more soundtrack for my soundtracks and I guess compositions for my I guess music endeavors like I usually will gravitate more towards these just because I'll imagine a story in my head or just like kind of I don't know I picture something and a lot of these like you hear from beginning to end especially that last one I mentioned battle number one in G minor um that one like it does feel like it's telling like a whole story you feel like happy beginning sorrow middle like climax I don't know it's just it's just so good like I listened to the soundtrack like on loop and I mean obviously it also took a while to get here because I had to order it from Japan but and I even had to like I don't even remember how I got like the music onto my computer because I don't think anyone I knew had a CD drive handy and in the pandemic mode. Oh, I remember how. Um, but either way, Would you like to elaborate um, on how or nah? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but I yeah, like, how, and, I do remember how, but I'm not gonna tell anyone. <laughs> but oh man, yeah, just the music. Like on top of the fact that it just like brings back like, memories of the show because I could remember the the scenes that were played in. Like, you know, like, they also, and at the same time, like, some of those songs especially keep bringing back the last one because the last one is literally the final piece that you hear in the show. And it's given a lot of time to breathe in the show as well. Like, you hear the entire thing from beginning to end without interruption. They do talk a little over it in the beginning, but even just hearing that track will, like, make me, like, already start, like, tearing up a lot. And it's just, like, that same kind of feeling that I love when I get from listening to, like, some of the Galaxy music or even the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack or whatever. But, yeah, definitely made me want to collect more of these things. But, yeah, the Yearly in April, I guess classical OST, not so much the original OST. But, yeah, that's my pick for the Quarantini. Cool, nice. cool. Um, I, I guess let, let's do this. Let's do this one before we wrap up our final Quarantini. This is almost a joke, but uh, you guys wanted to do it, so favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think you guys want to do it more than me. So favorite food and or drink? How about that? Oh, you guys go first. <laughs> fine, I'll go first, and no one's I'll, gonna go first. I'll, God, don't know. All right, right, I'll go first. <laughs> fine, fine, I'll go first. Um, probably because it'll be a little short because I don't even know the name of it or where it comes from. <laughs> but, <laughs> So, okay, that's I the thought, of food. Here we go. <laughs> I thought I knew what a good chocolate chip cookie tasted like. I really thought I did. I had had so many chocolate chip cookies throughout my life, and I like to think of myself as a connoisseur of chocolate chip cookies. I judge them based <laughs> on their graininess, their crumbliness, their chewiness, their crunchiness. I love different types of chocolate chip cookies, but for a while, right, I thought right. the. I thought the triple chocolate chunk from Jersey Mike's. <laughs> I guess that was a straight face. Um, I love how you're saying, talking about the same gravity as some of the actual stuff we were talking about. For a while, I really thought that one was like almost like a perfect cookie. It was just the right Unbeatable. amount of chewy and crunchy, like great like sized chocolate chunks. I mean, it just Wait, feels so satisfying to eat. Did you say but then also cur- the right amount of curvy? Did I mishear that? Crunchy. Oh, I, my audio, I guess. I thought you said curvy. <laughs> and then and then I was also reminded of um I think it was earlier this year before the quarantine that um our good friend Eric um he introduced me to the chocolate chip cookie from Porto's and that one is also 
really, really good. They really strike a good balance of keeping the outer edges kind of crispy without being too crunchy and then just having like a nice chewy center that isn't doughy. It just has the right amount of crumbiness and oh my god, it's just good. But until recently, I thought those were I thought that was going to get it. But it turns out it's this cookie that I don't know who makes it. I just know that my sister buys them from someone that I think they make them themselves. And it's it's amazing like whether it's like a day old or fresh like it still keeps its consistency it's just so damn good like holy shit. like uh we're gonna the... keep that <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> oh, it yeah. like it's just so damn good like the it has almonds and it has almonds in it no not almonds walnuts it has walnuts chocolate chip cookies chocolate chips and a few other nuts i believe but it's just like I don't know, it's not cloy, it's not... I don't know, it has all the best qualities of the other cookies that I like, just all wrapped into one. It somehow makes it all work. Because I think, like, the what I would say, like, a downside I would say to the triple chocolate chunk cookie from Jersey Mike's, and I guess <laughs> Jimmy John's for that matter, because they're kind of the same thing, um, is that they're kind of too big, which I know is kind of worthy to complain about, but they yes, get it is. really hard really fast. Like, if they're not fresh, they're not as great. And this one I've had fresh and not fresh and wow it, wow. So, so I, I, I guess if you cookie, make this cookie, I, if you make this cookie and you're listening to accept your your quarantini award, we'll leave it out back on top of a thing where people can't see it and just go grab it. It's your award. Yeah, I need to get the, the baker. info from my. I need to get the info from my sister and my brother in law. But damn, I, I love that cookie. I just love it so much. <laughs> All right. I don't even know, Kevin. Should we even say our favorite food, or did we just? Is that it? Like, did he just win? I can I I kind of want to talk about. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, And not necessarily because it was delicious. As a matter (laughs) of fact, it tasted like an ashtray. Um, but I'm gonna give it to the one chip challenge from uh, Pocky. I think. Uh, it's my. It's only my favorite food because I absolutely destroyed its ass. I I was so afraid going into it. I I had the Pepto Bismol ready. I had the milk ready. I had uh, some hibiscus uh, tea. I had ice cream. I had a milkshake, and oh, that puny little thing phased me for a minute. And after that, I was totally fine. I made it my bitch, man. That I will. Pr- I probably won't do it anytime soon, but. I feel like I felt like I could conquer the world after <laughs> after eating that one chip, uh, and for that it's getting my quarantini only because I beat its ass. And uh, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna get yeah, that's okay. That's... My quarantini <laughs> right. goes to the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Now it's not a new sandwich, mind you, but it became more accessible this year because people weren't lining up to get it because there was a pandemic. So, and also I happen to be closer to a Popeye's than I used to be. So. All quarantine long, every few weeks, been getting one of these Popeye chicken sandwiches, and they are delicious. It's a good it's, chicken it's, sandwich. It's, it oh, is it is insane. That good. I've, I've yet to try it. It is. I insane. would argue it's better than Chick Fil A. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it is. So here's what's crazy. Halloween uh, What? Halloween oh, rice? I don't know about Halloween Rose. I, I I haven't had Halloween Rose, but but here's what although I'm for its price, it's, it's, for the price, it's, 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 it's for not better the than Halloween Rose. For the price, you're getting more meat, more quality meat. I guess. 
that's kind of redundant, but it's more quality meat than you would get at any chicken sandwich in that price range or a couple bucks above it. And Rachel, my girlfriend, and I have been doing um, chicken sandwich samplings from around LA inspired by the Popeye chicken sandwich, and we have yet to find one after like six or seven or eight or nine different ones that have topped the Popeye chicken sandwich. And that includes – there's a place called High Ho Burger here in LA that did a – collaboration with an actual new orleans chicken restaurant that shipped them their chicken and their recipe and they recreated it here only at high ho and even that one from actual new orleans isn't as good as the popeye's fast food chain inspired by new orleans chicken sandwich hey, Louisiana so fast. yeah and, well not it, it is and it isn't the drive through is still slow but the lines are way lower because no one wants to <laughs> you know go Wait, that's out still, is that still their slogan I think so. It, it's either that or just we, we're the ones with the chicken sandwich. Chicken just come Popeyes. here. It might just be like we make the chicken sandwich. Just come give us your money. Um, but it's it's very good, and it is the star player of this year in terms of food and everything else for me. Mm, that's good to hear. Yeah, so. I, I think I definitely had – I definitely think this was the first year that I did have the Popeye chicken sandwich for sure. But, man, that, that is a good chicken sandwich. It's a good I, chicken sandwich. Yeah, anybody that says that Chick Fil A is better, no, you're you're out of your mind. Especially I, that I, spicy mayo. Ooh, it's I so enjoy Chick Fil A, but it's not the same caliber. It's like the difference between McDonald's and like Carl's Jr. in terms of like the quality bump, sure. or like you know that sort of thing. So like the Chick Fil A is fine. Yeah. Weirdly, the Chick Fil A near my apartment doesn't have the spicy deluxe. It only has the regular. They don't seem to have lettuce in there or tomato. Lettuce or tomato or jack cheese anywhere in their restaurant. I don't know. Their menu is just missing the deluxe version. Um. So I haven't had Chick Fil A in a while, but Popeyes, man, Popeyes. I might have to have that for dinner after this. Popeyes actually, sandwich. I think you just, oh, I think I just, nice. yeah, I might have to do that. You, you might have inspired me. I might have inspired me <laughs> by bringing it up. Nice, but yeah. Uh, so. I, I guess let's move on to our last quarantine for our favorite experience of 2020. The Popeyes chicken sandwich. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. you guys go first. Uh, I guess I, I'll go first. Uh, I would. Uh, this was really a debate between two things: uh, building my first ITX computer, which is a small form factor computer. I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever talked about it on this podcast, but I absolutely love building computers. It's one of my passions. Uh, if I could make it into a career, I absolutely would. But uh, unfortunately, I can't. But so I will give my favorite experience to my 24-hour live stream that I did mm. earlier in the year. Uh. It wrecked me emotionally, physically, and mentally, but I definitely feel like I accomplished something that it, it gave me a sense of accomplishment that I hadn't had in a while. Uh, and you, I kind of did crack at the end, um, emotionally. I, there's a there was a point, and I believe you can see it on stream where I all I almost started crying. Really? Uh, that I actually did it, yeah. Wow. And I had, I think, like 20 people in, in my chat as, a, as a, I was on the stream. And I was I was very close on the verge of tears just for the support that everybody uh, had given me, especially during those last couple of hours. Hmm. But, yeah, that, that definitely was my, my, my favorite experience. I'm not doing it anytime soon because now I know. Or if I do do it soon, I'm definitely going to go in. With nope, don't even start. Um, <laughs> but if I do do it, I I definitely am going in with a game plan, and that one should go better than this one because I went into it with like 
a day's notice that I was going to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna give it to my 24 hour stream. Nice, Angel, the good one. Me. Uh, okay. Um, no, yeah, for me, yeah, this is an easy one. There were a lot of contenders. Um, like kayaking earlier this year was pretty great. Um, especially learning that like I can hand. I guess I all the Ringfoot adventure paid off and didn't leave me high and dry. Um, building the computer for, or building my first computer um, with the help of like Kevin and the and then and Victor on the software side was also pretty interesting. It was tougher and easier than I expected. I'll just put it that way. But I think for sure, like my my standout experience is definitely the the very recent smash Brothers tournament like it's been so long since i've entered a smash tournament like that and we just like everything else that happened during the tournament just like the you know the specific competition of people that like i knew would inevitably have to fight the fact that the power went out during the tournament during grand finals and we somehow managed to keep the keep the show going without causing too many issues and actually winning the tournament at the end like with just bowser and i don't know it was it was amazing and it just like reminded me like why i love this game so much and why i love entering tournaments and by the end of it like i, I feel like i made like some more friends and ah oh, man i don't know it, it's just so great i love freaking love smash brothers and nice bowser. nice yeah. and bowser <laughs> <laughs> all right uh jason you uh can I say it might be on some level this very podcast? It's been nice to actually like spread our wings a bit. We've talked about Nintendo for, you know, eight and some of them change years at the start of this. And it's nice to be able to talk about other media and have the audience come along and we've been getting good feedback. Yeah. So am I, am I allowed to yes, say someone finally the show? Sure. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Cause that's not what I'm going to say. It was the Stranger Things thing. The drive through is really cool. Anyway. No, it was this. It was this. It was. It was. This was really cool. This was really nice. It's. It's. It's fun to kind of branch out to new world, uh, new topics, for us, and you know, have a chance to go deep on things like, you know, Tenet or whatever it was in the spring we were doing or that sort of Our thing. So I'm, I'm gonna give it to. Guys. I'm gonna give it to us. I'm gonna be biased and give ourselves an award. So, wow. so that's mine. I didn't expect this. I don't know. That's the worst part is that he keeps the award. It's not like. Split it into three, and then maybe. You, I'll I mean, let either you listen. Either we get the, the award in the name of the Quarantine Chronicles, or I'm going back to the Stranger Things drive-in to experience. I mean, take your pick. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> we, I, we'll, I mean, we will fill the quarantine for the Also, no one's forged the awards no, yet. Yeah, no, Kevin no, should no, get no. it technically. No, no, uh, no, no, no. it was yeah, your idea. Worry. It was your idea. And look at the journey we've uh, gone on, and the friends we made along the way. Actually, I don't think anyone that we haven't. Talk to I mean, if this was an award show, if, if this was like a televised award show, you would probably be, you would be the one accepting it and like giving the speech. Kevin, uh, sure, yeah. I guess. So, um, I mean, it's like, like you know how like role. well, you know how like the Oscars give an award to the or the Emmy, yeah, the Emmys give an award to the Oscars, <laughs> like it's like that, except what? Not. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it, yeah, where it, else can yeah, you hear it's... Jason flex his? Useless knowledge on other remember, remember when I went on a rant about Conan for 20 minutes? I couldn't do that on Ram Nintendo. It would only be five minutes on there. So those extra 15 minutes, it's thanks to Quarantine Chronicles. I'll allow it. Fine. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. No, but it, it's been a weird year, and there's definitely been some interesting stuff. I thought, like, would, I thought it was, would have been like your move or becoming like a cat dad or something. No, uh, and you'd think I would say my <laughs> girlfriend, right? Uh, it, uh, <laughs> Just no, hope actually, that she doesn't listen to this episode. No, no. It, uh, it, it, truthfully, that that has been a new experience for me too, which has been great. But um, in terms of like within the, the media we've consumed, in this case created, uh, we were keeping it media related. media. See Rachel, yeah. see I, I say it myself. Uh, but yeah, You're because not really we keep consuming really. this media. I mean, do you actually listen? I to do. It I don't listen to the full thing, but I definitely am jumping around a little. And you guys listen to it when you edit it. And yeah, I, I'd say we consume it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Well. So. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to all the quarantini uh, winners. For those uh, who do their quarantini scorecard, like you do at the Oscars, uh, Palm Springs. <laughs> How many did you get right? You're. Palm Springs and your uh wow I'm sorry Angel the anime your name you're your lion April what you're a lion April thank you I don't know why I said your name your lion April and Palm Springs are the two front runners this year but really the award goes to Christopher Nolan who was name dropped like twelve <laughs> times this episode so congratulations oh, yeah. to all our winners Congratu- including Mr Nolan congratulations to Christopher Nolan you win <laughs> the Quarantini truly the, one the best quarantini. award he's ever gotten. That that's the biggest yeah, exactly. twist is we don't have the budget to make quarantines for everyone, so we just make one for the most named thing, and it goes to Christopher yeah. Nolan. Christopher for Nolan. nothing he Congrats, put out Christopher this year. Nolan. So. Yep. Congratulations, Chris Nolan. Uh, I don't know what the, your next movie is going to be about, but uh, wait, isn't he working on some documentary? I don't know. <laughs> I could have sworn that's what <laughs> he was sure. doing. I, you're the sure. Chris Nolan fan here. I should know, and I don't, and I'm ashamed. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's just going to wrap up this episode of uh, the quarantines. And yeah, that's going to wrap up this year as well. It's the the last episode of anything that you're going to be getting on your Red Nintendo podcast feed. Um, yeah, I guess that'll that'll do it for Until us. Until January 3rd, and we're hitting the ground running at the start of the year. Are we, though? Because what has Nintendo... Uh, unless Nintendo... Only one like, way to find out, and that's Shadow, on shadow drops... Breath of the Wild 2, I don't know. They're going to shout drop the Switch Pro on January 2nd, and we'll get a couple hours to get impressions for the third. You heard it here Uh, first. Oh. Uh, Imagine if somebody actually did take that. It it was like, it like like saved money on the side, like, oh, January 2nd, and they're like waiting, waiting, like they don't do anything for New Year's, not like you should, it's a pandemic, be safe, and they're just sitting there till the second, and then send us angry tweets. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you're already listening. I'm sure you're already listening to this podcast on uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but we're also on Pandora, Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on uh, my my forgetting one. I feel uh, like I'm forgetting a big one. Spotify, Pandora. Did I say Pandora? Pandora? No, I said I said Spotify. Spotify. Then Pandora. We're on we're on whatever podcast app tickles your fancy. Uh, on YouTube, we are RandomNintendo.com. On Twitter, we are at RandomNintendo collectively, even though I think only Jason has control of that Twitter account. I mean, who's keeping score of things like that, really? Okay. Well, <laughs> if you want to follow Jason, he is at JSR7. Angel is at Wayro underscore O, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I am Kevin Gomi, K-V-N Gomi. And uh, yeah, that'll that'll wrap us up for this episode this year. And uh, Jason, give us the uh, give us your your final 
Your final what? Your final <laughs> send off. There we go. My final. Do send the thing. Off. It's part. It's two part. One. If you're listening before Tuesday the third or Wednesday the thirtieth, go to our Twitter and win a copy of Mario Odyssey. Two. Have a great New Year. 